1: everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. I'm
2: Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pater. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. I'm Naveed Mashenshi.
1: Yes, we've got a new voice on the podcast tonight. Well, kind of a new voice. If you've watched some of our watch-alongs, Naveed has been on that. He is, of course, our reigning and defending pulled off at halftime quiz champion, which we will get round to doing a second episode at some point in the future. But yeah, we have an awful lot to to get through tonight. I, I just want to start with some breaking news. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona. I don't think it's been covered much, so obviously we will delve into that in the first two hours of the, this episode.
0: I like Steve's take on it. <laughs>
1: What was Steve's take on it? Oh, I don't remember. Like
0: how it might lose uh, someone some money?
1: Oh, it's some... it's been the big talking point, obviously, this week. I'm sure to some people, I couldn't care less, really. But
3: yeah, but the, but Zach's right. It has the one thing the part that hasn't been reported in Canada at least is. TSN uh, paying a whole bunch of money for La Liga rights and then now not having Messi (laughs) to show on the games.
1: Yeah, no Messi, no Ronaldo, although he's he's not been there for a while. But yeah, they knew that when uh, they did the deal. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll bury it somewhere on TSN 5 or you'll have to watch it all online, like sports that I've done with a lot of the Bundesliga stuff that they, they buy rights for. I hate this because there was a, a while Sportsnet had all the rights to all of Scottish football and just chose to show the odd Celtic and Rangers game so nobody else could show it. And like squatting on the rights, not utilising it, that annoys the hell out of me. We spoke before about the fact that you can't watch Montreal games on the whole here because of the, the deal that they've got with the, the French language. RDN is it RDS? I, RDS. RDS. Oh, well, it's TV, TV.
0: Isn't it TV? TV five. Oh yeah, you're TV right. A, you're right. TV-a, 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 I, don't TV-a, I don't know. Whatever TV-a, it is, yeah, I, I, some
1: some station that most folk don't watch. So all that just annoys me. But let's not let's not start me off in a rant right early in the show. I'm sure I'll have a few of those as we go on. How we start all these shows is the gift that keeps on giving. Steve Panders, 2011, Upper Deck box of trading cards that he gave Zach and myself for Christmas this year we're going to rattle through it because we've got so much to cover on this show so we'll, we'll just get to it we're opening a pack a week I was going to delve into what our teams were but we don't have time so let's just get them open Zach's
0: already there, show us your first card I've got one of Michael's favourites <gasps> classic in goal I believe you have this card, San Jose Earthquakes John Bush Oh, oh I love some Bush on a Sunday
1: Okay, let's get my pack open here Okay, we're starting off in Chicago. Not many folk want to do that. I don't think I've got this. It's a midfielder. It's number nine. It's Baggio Husidic. Oh, I think
0: I I have that one. Um, I'm staying with keepers. Uh, Michael, you also have this card. This is New England's bald man, Matt Reese. Oh, well, from a bald man to a guy
1: with a lot of hair in this picture. Doesn't really suit him. He's wearing a Kansas City whiz uh, jersey but he's of course the Sporting Kansas City
0: defender Michael Harrington oh I got that one, this is one you have but I don't, also wearing a whiz kit but a Sporting Kansas City card, more appreciated in this country as I believe the first MLS captain of Le Impact de Morial, Davy Arnault oh yes well I'm going to New
1: England and this guy, some folks say he's smoking, it's Kelly Duby
0: I think I have that one, too. Uh, this is Houston Dynamo's midfielder, Danny Cruz. Oh. I've got Kiki,
1: not Kai Kamara, Kazuki Kemura from Colorado Rapids.
0: I have midfielder forward from the first uh, dynasty of MLS, the, the District of Columbia's United, Branko Boscovich. Ah. Breaker, I hardly knew her. From Boston Breakers, it's Kelly Smith. And I have Ford from the FC Dallas, former the, formerly the Burn. This guy, I do not remember at all. This is Milton Rodriguez. And I think I've gone another pack without getting a mm. double. Milton's not really the name of a footballer.
1: It's right up there with Fred. But <laughs> at my last card... I have this from when I bought this set and I actually have this autographed. I got the man himself to autograph it one day at Empire. Not during media duties, of course. He was doing one of the signings that the end of the halftime. It's Nano. It's his super oh. draft card, Michael yeah, Nanchoff. It's a beauty. Yes. Nice. Who was the assistant coach uh, at, for David Egbo before Egbo came to the White Caps in the draft this year?
0: Yep. Akron, right? Yep. Yes. Right. I'm sure Nano had lots of good perspective to share. I'm sure he did,
1: but that's our football cards out of the way. I, I enjoy it. I don't know if everyone else does. Zach does as well. But let's get into the football chat now, and we're not going to kick things off in the first part by looking at tonight's game. I, I want to look first of all at what has been a very busy Whitecaps news of the week. Aller guten Dinge sind dry, Zach. All good things coming through. Yes, the the one phrase of German. That has stuck in my mind from high school, and I've never known why. It's a pointless phrase, when am I ever going to use it unless I'm maybe buying a packet of condoms and some toilet in a bar in Berlin? Turns out, this week, on a conference call with Florian Jungbuth, because he became the third white cap signing this week, or the third uh, that was unveiled, because Ryan Gold obviously signed last weekend but was unveiled at a press conference on Tuesday saying all the right things at that release on Tuesday. If you haven't yet, check out the last episode, episode 468 of the AFTN Soccer Show. Had a a nice one-on-one chat with Ryan on Thursday night, just chatting about his move to the Whitecaps and just his journey and his career so far from Scotland to Portugal to now here in Canada. So it's a good chat. highly recommend you check that out, as of course I would. Thursday, saw so our 19 year old Ecuadorian under 23 initiative player that's been rumoured for weeks, Pedro Vite. He was finally announced as well. Before we delve into what Pedro might bring to the team, let's hear a little bit of audio from head coach Mark DeSantis just talking about that himself.
4: Can you talk a little about uh, Pedro Vite, how he fits in? Uh, the midfield suddenly is now very crowded, a lot of options for you there. Uh, how do you see that position sort of unfolding over the rest of the season?
5: Yeah, JJ, number one, the uh, a lot of options when, right? Because right now is not an option and it's still far from being an option um, because there's uh, we're, we're professionals with dealing with with visa and patient waiting for visa situations to unfold. So he's still not here. It's I think it's still going to, take time for him to join. And he's going to have to go through a process. This is a player of 19 years old that in a n- normal situation, he would even probably get games in our uh, B team, or U23 team, and slowly start the progression and the progress from there. But look, I could tell you that it's a player that could play in a lot of parts in the midfield. He could play wide, especially on the right talking inside a lot, coming to his left foot. It's a player with a very good vision in the last pass, dynamic, keeping the ball in movement, always looking to play forward. The way he opens his body and gets ready to play forward is very good. He has the the capacity and energy to be a guy that when, when the team loses possession, his reactions to be very good. It's not there yet. I think he's a little bit Lazy at this point in that area, but it's something that is definitely going to grow and become better. The same that Deber did uh, grow with time in that chapter of his game. Uh, but it's an exciting player to have, and it's a, a player with an, a very high uh, upside.
1: MDS, they are just chatting about what Pedroviti brings to the Whitecaps. We're not going to see him for a few weeks he's still getting all his visas and work permits and everything sorted out even when he does arrive he's going to be getting eased in a little bit gently he's not going to be a guy that is starting I wouldn't expect much for for this this year maybe off the bench let's start with Naveed what what have you seen from watching the highlights of VT? Are you excited by, by this addition? The Whitecaps obviously have a lot of stock in him because he's taken up one of these under 23 initiative uh, spots on the roster.
2: Or well, first of all, when I when I heard about you talking about visa issues, I shall hope they make it into the country. Yes, it's not going to be another Ali, Right, I hope it's not going to be another Ali Adnan situation.
0: Should we start but, a pool? I know he's not from the Middle East, but should we, should we start a pool? How long is going to take? I'm <laughs> yeah. checking his
2: social media to
1: see who he's been posing with in Ecuador. <laughs>
2: uh, to be fair, though, I actually haven't seen anything about him yet and uh, just read a little bit about him and... I guess they brought him in as a backup number 10 or what is he? Yeah, he's have...
1: going to be a backup to Ryan Gold. He can also play in the wing though. So he can play left mm-hmm. wing, he can play right wing, which I, I think we do need some depth on, on wing play. And he's 19. He's highly mm-hmm. thought of in Ecuador. I, I mean, we've spoken before, highlight videos... And it's like you were involved with video work, Navid. So right. it's, like, it's, yeah, it's like you can make anyone look good on some highlight packages. But... Exactly.
2: But I'm sure they did their homework with the new recruitment yeah. department and stuff. But we will be exciting to see what he brings to the table. I'm 19 years old. I'm sure he's got lots of potential. I mean, the, the
1: worry, Steve, is some of these guys do take a little bit of time to adjust. We saw it with Christian Dahomey last year. Part of that, though, was because his family wasn't here. Diber Caicedo, like Mark still says he's maybe not fully settled in but he's he's coming on it's it's a new adventure for him it's a new country it's new environments it's new everything moving to Canada from Ecuador and just playing in a in a different league as well so fans have to give him a bit of time
3: yeah for sure he's not and that's where it comes in handy that you have Ryan Gold and and also other players in front of him on the wing so he's not he's not being forced to think uh, like a saving grace for the white caps or anything like that yeah he's essentially just there to learn right now um, and, and 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 I think they mentioned it in the release that he's got all the talent they just wanted to help him hone um, how to use the talent on the pitch he's got like, be a very raw player but a very highly skilled raw player so it's just a matter of finding out what where his posi- true position lies. Is it on the wing? Is it as a number 10? Is it box to box? And helping him find that, find his voice on the pitch, basically. Yavol. Sorry, exactly. Zach, I,
1: I came over a little German there. <laughs> Her name's Helga. Uh,
0: I think, we're talking about Vida, right? So I, I think, well, with all these signings, really, in general, I think one of the things that is very unfortunate is the situation they're coming into. Because when you're coming into a situation where the coach is out of contract at the end of the year and presumably other members of the staff, it, it, it means that they're forced into this results first, results only, which I know in one respect football is, don't get me wrong, but it would be nice if they were coming into a situation where it was like, look, this has not been an easy year we have not played at in our own stadium all those things and we're able to say this is the rest of the season is going to be about figuring out how to get these best out of these new players see if they're as good as we think they are we hope they are and kind of you know work things out you know in training and on the pitch in competitive matches in multiple competitive competitions and so i feel it's a, it, i mean I guess in one sense it's the same every year for Vancouver, and that it always feels like it's like do or die, right? Because yeah. everything's driven by, you know, tickets and people and you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, making income and all that kind of stuff. Which again is totally legitimate. I'm not, I'm not, you know, speaking against that. But um, you just kind of wish they were able to in a place where they could say, look, we know the rest of the year. The first year, first half of the year was really difficult. We are where we are, but we want to use the rest of this year to get things set up so that next year is kind of in, you know, in top in top order. Obviously, that's not going to happen because they need to win. Um, They need to get people as many many people as possible into BC Place as quickly as possible. They need to keep them there, and more importantly, they need to get them to either renew, return, or become new season ticket holders for. For the following season, and so there's going to be uh these are all conversations that either Mark DeSantis is a part of, or that he's made aware of, or that he he knows what's what's going on, and so oh, he's he's fully fully aware.
3: Yeah. And so, but, but there's that I, I I think there's a way to do both though. You can yeah. go for the wins and still like believe me, they're running into so many injuries that they're gonna have if we force to play play players out of yeah. position. Yeah out of in in, in and move group them up really quickly. I think they really have no choice but to play some of these guys. So I don't see that being an issue of uh using as many players as possible. And who knows how they're but they're going to play until they get eliminated.
0: essentially. Oh, actually. Yeah.
3: So there there's no way they're going to no team, no group of players is just going to give up on the season. And and, and Oh no, and then, I'm not
0: I'm not talking about giving up on the season, but I'm talking about like
3: but you like give your players the idea that you're giving up the season if you're going to play if you're going to just Put in the young players and bench the veterans, and no, that's no, what's no, I'm not here.
0: I'm not saying I'm not saying do that. What I'm saying is, th- there are lots of football clubs where you like you know that it's it's you're in a transitional moment. You're in a transitional part of your year. You're in a five year plan, and everyone understands that the title or making the playoffs is maybe not going. And we're going to try, obviously, but it might not be achievable. And so there's less there's less I guess maybe pressure in one sense, or the expectations are more understood. Whereas I don't in MLS in Vancouver in particular, I don't think you can. I don't think there's any way that 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 they can communicate that, or that can be understood, or that can well, that would ever be embraced. Um,
1: yeah, I mean it, it's it's tough because you're you're coming in to a team that that's bottom of the waist, but still within touch and distance of the the postseason. As Steve said, there's injuries, so it's like a lot. It's going to be like backs to the wall and we'll, we'll talk about it in the next part, You're talking about coming home but in that sense it's not really home to some of these guys because they've never played at BC Place, some of them have but have never played in front of fans so you've got all that in the equation as well but I think all these guys will see time, Vite will probably take a bit of
3: time to get up yeah, he, to speed and I think we'll he, see he, the he, best of him next year He's the only one I think, I think yeah. Gold is definitely in there and you, you better be playing him Oh Oh, yeah, and like
1: Jungwirth is... Oh, he
3: got in right away.
1: Yeah, I mean, he didn't play today, but he was playing midweek for San Jose, so he's up to full, ready-to-go fitness. And I think the only main reason he probably didn't play today is just familiarity and chemistry. The Whitecaps have been stung already by making some changes in the centre-back department late in a game. So you don't want to do that. He can also play midfield as well, but did you want to change that? So, I mean, there, there's all those conversations to have. And talking about Florian, uh, or Flo, as he, he likes to get called, the Whitecaps weren't finished with their comings and goings on Friday. Some much-needed defensive depth and veteran presence was added to, to the squad. San says 32-year-old centre-back from Germany, Florian Jungwirth, Still not 100% sure how to pronounce his name. I did look it up today, and there was a few different variations. I'm going for now with Jung Wirth. Navid's nodding, and he was born in Dusseldorf, so he knows these kind of things.
3: Now, Flo... Yeah, not a, not a fake German, like... Uh, yeah, like some yeah,
2: wannabe, wannabe yeah. German. Uh, my my name's not German at all. <laughs> I know. No. Oh, you're yeah, born I know. there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Flo's had
1: nine years' experience in the Bundesliga, He's in his fifth season in MLS, so he comes to Vancouver with a lot of experience behind him. He's also a leader on and off the park, and reading about him and watching some interviews that that he did after it was announced, he's a great addition to to the, the locker room. We'll talk about him in a sec, but I'll play a little bit of audio from MDS on Friday, just talking about why they made the move for him and what Florian Jungwirth brings to this team. So, a busy couple of days for you, Mark, in the transfer market. Just looking at the the couple of additions. We had a, a chat on Tuesday that you are looking to strengthen a couple of areas in the team. Looking at Florian, first of all, obviously a, a guy experienced in MLS and over in Europe as well. What is it you liked about him that you thought would help make this defence better?
5: No, I think what we needed is we needed depth. We needed some... Uh... Some more options with the schedule that that is up there uh, in August and September with uh, the Canadian Championship, uh, with so many games. When when they, this week there was some um, some knocks during the weeks to to some of our center backs, uh, we started to 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 play a little bit with fire, you know. Uh, part of training session in one part of training session this week, the four centre-backs involved was, were Javane Brown who was as a centre-back, um, Ranko, Chris Campagna and Matteo Campagna. Uh, and then we started to realise that, uh, you know, it's a talk we already had since we made the move with Derek. Um, but in our head, we wanted to, to, to go after another type of centre-back in that point. But then, we just th- thought that it's very important to have depth in another, other option there uh, when the schedule is going to become condensed, and you know, then you go through all the possibilities that you could get in MLS, and possibilities that clubs are willing to move or open to do some moves, and of uh, all the p- the possibilities out there, flow was the the one that something that he wanted also and that was important because he wanted to do it also he's
1: a versatile guy he can play centre-back he can play defensive mid I think he can even play right back at a push is that one of the the factors that kind of really made you want to go for him just that he gives you options not just at centre-back but if there was an emergency you've got him elsewhere
5: yes we uh we, we, we know that of him. We know that in the last two games, uh, they've been playing in a three four three, and he was uh, one of the central midfielders uh, with Jutson in San Jose. So uh, he has a lot of games, a lot, a lot of games as a centre-back, some as a right-back and some as a, a defensive midfielder. So of course that, that made our decision easier and the team needs uh, to make sure that we always have a lot of depth and the team needs that.
1: So MDS there with some thoughts on, on Florian. Let's start with Zach this time. What, what's your thoughts on, on his addition? The only weakness I really see in his play is he's not a centre-back that's got a lot of goals over the years. He's talked himself about that's an aspect of his game he'd like to improve. At 32, I don't know when, if that comes. But we've we've seen some centre-backs have a, a late resurgence. Look at Pamuduka with some of those finishes that he had in that season. Yeah, but
0: Palmu had, had, scored, had scored some incredible goals. Oh, yes, true.
1: Um, I, I I like the addition, Zach. I think it's going to be good both on and off the pitch for the Caps.
0: I think, yeah, for who he is and what he is, the experience he brings, I, 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 he's what we've been talking about them needing uh, for yep. a while. And many people have been talking about them needing that for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. I, 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 this is going to sound maybe harsh, but I, I hope this means we've seen the last of Andy Rose at centre-back. Uh, unless Very they, probably, except for you know, in a dire you know situation. Again, nothing, nothing. I don't. Try, I'm not trying to just speak against Andy, but I really hope that this means that he's going to be getting those kind of minutes. Uh, or flow is, and then I mean, on a personal level, yeah. I mean, he's 1860, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super excited about, about that. Or 1859, as as some of my friends like to say. Yeah, um,
1: 1860, also the kind of holidays that Wayne Rooney likes to go on. That might be a joke for, for the UK punters that there used to be a club eighteen to thirty when I was a, a lad. It was nobody over the age of thirty was allowed to go on it. And you can imagine what happened on those. But eighteen to sixties more more wins. Because he likes grandmothers or something. He does? I mean? yeah. He's just a fat granny shagger. Anyway, we've we've
0: at least he's not bald back, anymore. back to flow. At least he's not bald anymore.
3: Um, for me, I think uh, even though he's uh, a year older than Andy Rose, he could be a potential. I know you, I think you mentioned that it could be just for the end of the season. Possibly. But could be, yeah, but he could be like, it could be a good audition for next year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because Andy Rose, uh, from what I've heard and what you, we met to talk about before, might be making a transition to coaching. Yeah. So is this uh, the veteran center back that they're getting for next year as well um, that they can keep on the roster? So I can see this as being more than just until the end of the year and and potentially, like I said, being an Andy Rose replacement. Um, he could also, Andy Rose could also go down to his father-in-law's club as well if, if his you know, wife's looking to move back to LA. So that's another option as well.
1: Hey, if they, he's still they, at that club. They, oh. they
0: need they need some help in the central midfield now. Yeah, they need a lot of help. <laughs> right
1: there. I mean, Naveed, Jungwirth's contract is up at the end of the season. So that's why the White Cats have made a play for them they're they've had interest in this duarte guy but that wasn't able to get done he might not even be coming here there's been offers from mexico so i think initially yeah this is looking as a stop gap to the end of the season and then they can see what they do but if he comes in and is solid and he wants to be here and if he puts in a good performance i could see them keeping him on he's young enough and you need that veteran princess look, look at the likes of andy exactly. o'brien i was actually speaking to mds during the week um, and we were just chatting about that. And I said, you know what? We've not had that kind of experienced center back since Andy O'Brien's days. And he's like, yep. Yeah, you know, people keep mentioning him to me. And this is the kind of guy that could be an Andy O'Brien
2: style guy. I hope to see him longer than just half a season. Like you said, yeah. like the experience he brings, and he seems like to be a great character too. So he'd be really yeah. great guy for the locker room, I think. Um, in addition to that, I think he's a left footed center back. Is he? If I, oh, I'm not sure. That's one thing that's, I never pay a lot of attention so, to. Yeah, so that would be great to have left-footed centre-back, um, given the fact that I think most of the other ones are all right-footed. But,
1: but if he can play left-back, we might be needing some help out there. Right.
2: I'm sure, oh well, yeah, maybe he played left-back sometimes. But no, overall, though, I think it's a great signing. I'm sure Axel is happy about that too, having a German player as
0: well on the roster. Isn't, isn't it weird that his first German player is an MLS right. player?
1: <laughs> right. But actually, like, talking about that, Flo did a, a media conference call on Friday. Let's bring you a little bit off our audio just as a, a chat to, to Flo about coming to Vancouver, his time in MLS, and a lot more beside Hi there Flo, I'd say welcome to Vancouver but I know it's a a few days before you get here so welcome welcome to the Whitecaps anyway. um, I guess first thing to ask you obviously MLS is a a strange league players often don't have a a say and if they get traded or not when did you find out that Vancouver were interested in you and did you have a, a choice as to whether you left San Jose to come here or not?
4: Yes first of all um Thanks for the welcome and uh, yeah, a couple uh, weeks ago, I already were in uh, talks with our general manager in San Jose, so um, I knew that there might be a a possibility for me uh, for a trade and we had a very open conversation and I informed him that uh, if there might be an opportunity, I'd like to, to do it. But then, uh, yeah, the actual first time I heard uh, that uh, there might be something up with Vancouver was uh, on Wednesday. Like, uh, it's, I don't know, one or something. So my my agent informed me. And, but we had a game with San Jose, you know, and I was starting a game. So I was like to him, you know, I want to focus on the game first and let's talk after. So he was, he was fine. And after the game... I haven't received any message or so, so I was like, okay, probably nothing is going to work out tomorrow since it's the last day. But I mean, I was like, okay, that that's, if that's what it is, it's fine for me too. And then uh, I woke up, uh, had a couple of calls from my agent. So I was like, Oh, maybe I should, should give him a call back. And then he said, uh, yeah, Vancouver and San Jose try to try to reach out for a deal. And waited a couple of hours then i talked to the technical director of uh, vancouver he said we are good uh, i drove to the vaccination site got my got my vaccination and a uh, couple of hours later they told me i'm a white cap and i couldn't be couldn't be happier
1: well we're, we're glad to have you here um, i think from looking at your stats i think i saw that you'd played in vancouver 6 times during your your mls career Have you had a chance to to explore the city at all? I know some of these have been quick coming and going, but have you ever had the chance to look around the city? What have you made of it if you have?
4: Yeah, a little bit. Oh, First time, I think when I played six times on a place, I think that sounds that I'm a little old probably, but... (laughs) No, no, you're way Uh, younger than me. Still fine, yeah. But anyway, yeah, obviously when you're on the road, you don't have a lot of times, but I remember... I don't know which year it was I think 2019 we were we were on the road for a week or so and I think we spent like three days or so in Vancouver so we had a little time to explore you know and I'm always in for adventures I always love to explore the world and Vancouver is an outstanding city I think I don't have to tell you guys that and for me that was always wow that's one of the best cities in my whole life I've ever seen and I think I've seen a lot of cities so I think I always had in my mind if one day maybe I, I go another way and maybe there's a chance Vancouver was always top of my list, maybe one or two other other cities from that perspective. But yeah, I can't wait to, to explore more, uh, get to know the people, the culture and everything. So yeah, I'm really glad.
1: Obviously, the teams haven't played so far this season. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch much of the the Whitecaps games. If you have, what have you you made of the team and, and what you've seen?
4: Yeah, I watched uh, a couple of games. Obviously, um, when you study the opponents, like you mentioned, we haven't with San Jose, we haven't faced uh, the Whitecaps, but obviously we we face teams who play the Whitecaps. So I watched uh, a couple of uh, of games, and I can only pay my uh, highest respect to the team because I think their situation is incredible heart because they haven't been home for more than a year uh, I can't I can't even imagine I don't know if I I could have done that but for me I, I paid all three Canadian teams so much respect and the way when I watched the Vancouver games that despite the situation they never never gave up they you always saw that they wanted to win their games they were always very uh, discipline and because I think you have all the excuses you know when you would lose you could say hey, we haven't been home for a year and it's a hard situation and so on but I, I've never had the feeling when they played that they used this kind of excuses because they always tried to to gave it all uh, no matter the results and that's a great uh, mentality and I think that shows that the coach also uh, knows how to motivate the players despite the situations and I think the fact that they can go home now to Vancouver being back being back at home in the stadium I think you can create a, a big energy there and a great atmosphere and and I'm really glad to be to be part of these this special then.
1: I failed my high school German so I won't try and and talk German to you but I'll, I'll practice it with you when, when you're here see if I can if it comes back to me. A la ding isn't dry is the only phrase I remember all good things come in threes. We've obviously had three new additions in Vancouver this week, so that I can use that um Now you mentioned there about your your wife and how you you've just had the shot, so my understanding is you wouldn't be able to come here for a couple of weeks till the the two-week dose is, is over. Is that right?
4: Yes um
1: so the, the plan is though for your wife and your dogs to 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 come with you.
4: Yes, of course. Um, We did now all the paperwork. We called the animal health department to check if everything is fine, if we can travel with uh, with the dogs to to Canada. So that's all fine. My wife got the vaccine yesterday as well. Like you mentioned, a two-week period. Um, I'm able because the team is traveling to uh, San Jose on Thursday and after they travel directly to Austin. So I will be able to uh, travel with the team from San Jose to Austin. And uh, then I will... Travel to Vancouver, and my wife will come to a later date uh, by car. Then uh, she would drive up all the way with the dogs, and yeah, you know, it's it's crazy, though. Know, last day of the transfer window. Now we realize we have a lot of stuff to do, so uh, it's crazy. But I'm I'm really happy uh, that because my wife is incredibly organized, and probably I'm not a, a big helper, but yeah, I'm glad to have her, and I know she will handle everything that we. Arrive well in Canada and haven't forgotten
1: anything. It's a great city for dogs and I know a lot of the, the players have dogs as well, so I, you'll have a, a great time here. Talking about what you bring to this locker room, I I watched a, an interview that you did with one of the, the San Jose podcasts back in February last night. And you spoke about how you're not afraid to, to like, call your teammates out if you feel that they're not putting in a shift or or they're not performing. Now, obviously, I I like that. Coming from Scotland, I I like that kind of attitude. But obviously, sometimes it doesn't go down well with some of the, the younger players. But you're coming into this team as a veteran, so still got to find your feet, but... You, you sound like you're going to be a leader from the start as soon as you get in here
4: uh yeah that's that's my plan um, no matter if i play or don't start in the beginning or whatever it is i i would try to to lead by example <laughs> i think i'm not sure if i said like, I'm, I'm not afraid to call out um i would say sometimes uh it makes sense to be honest with guys i'm always honest with guys um, and i think everyone has a different personality so for me personal, I always like it when someone says face to face to me, it's like, man, you sucked the last time or whatever. Then sugarcoating everything, but I think you you, you have to treat every individual person differently. Sometimes some people they need more sugar maybe need a, a hug more so, and you know sometimes uh some guys need a sorry a kick in the ass uh to you know to perform. And I think I always had a a, a good feeling. Uh, how to uh, treat a player or how to talk to the to, to different players. And I think I always got uh, accepted as this kind of leader. Uh, but I mean, it's always a thing calling out, you know, it's I mean, I never it's not like I, I scream at someone and insult them or whatever. You know, it's always positive because in the end of the day, you want to help the guy to uh, to evolve, uh, to do better and to do the best for the team. Um, because it's no one can can have success on his own, and everything I think you should do every day should be for the team and for the ultimate goal, which is uh, on the end of the season. And sometimes, if it takes to be a little louder in the locker room, when then obviously I'm not afraid uh, to be the guy. But I mean, you shouldn't think I'm the dragon who is like screaming around and that stuff. Uh, like I said, I think I'm I'm a nice guy and and okay to handle for everyone. Um, but yeah, uh, my goal is uh, to be a leader here. And but first, uh, of course, I want to bring in my my performance levels. Um, I hope I get uh, accepted from from the locker room. But like I mentioned, I I never had a problem with that. Um, but yeah, I I won't change, and I I, I want to lead the team. I wanna I want to lead the team to success. And it doesn't matter for me if if I'm a starter or not because that's not changing my my personality of my personal habits and that's what I bring in and I hope uh, everyone will be will be fine with that.
1: You've obviously seen a lot of the teams in the, the Western Conference this the season. Vancouver after the, the crazy results midweek and at the, the weekend, they've sank to the, the bottom of the standings but still very, very much in the, the race, a couple of wins and they're going to be right up the table. What have you made of the Western Conference this year? It feels like there's more parity than there's ever been. And that's saying something because it's there's been some battles in the, the five seasons that you've had in the league.
4: Yeah, I, it's, it's very close. Um, I think when you do a lot of things right, I think you can beat everyone in this league. Uh, I, I saw it with San Jose last Saturday when we won at Seattle, um, where we had really a, a great performance before... The team hasn't won eleven games, so obviously no one expected us to to get anything out of that. But we won and had really good a good game there, and I think that shows that you can can beat everyone uh, despite what what anyone says who's who's the favorite. And I think this year especially, it's it's really really close. Uh, obviously, you still have Seattle. I would say was my my opinion when everyone is fit there, uh, which is the best team in the league, out of question. But behind that, there are a lot of teams and. And I think you can beat everyone behind. I mean, everyone's always talking about LFC, but now they're in trouble because Segura torn his ACL. So they they might have a lot of defensive problems now and can't maybe handle it just with the offensive players. So I think everyone is, is beatable. And I think, like I said, I think the energy, which will help the team when I think we have 10 games at home uh, and BC plays them. And I think that can make a, a huge impact and a huge difference. And I'm 100% convinced uh, with the current rosters and the three additions me included that uh, we will uh, reach the playoffs and win win the Canadian Cup. Thanks so much, Flo. Welcome
1: to Vancouver. Look forward to catching up with you. I want to talk to you about your work with Rescue Dogs when you get here as well. So.
4: That sounds good, yes. Take care. You too. Thank you.
1: Flow Rider, there, just delighted to be in Vancouver, has said when he's visited here, he's loved the city, looking forward to seeing it a a lot more. You can read part of that in an article I I did on AFTN, aftn AFTN.ca, so
3: you can check that out. And, and uh, just for uh, Naveed was mentioning earlier, he is actually right-footed, is right-footed. Listed, but yeah. can play left-sided centre-back and see. can also play right-back. Yeah. Is listed on here. Which so, could,
1: I, I, well, I was going to say, which could free up, like, Javain to play left-back. We've got quite a lot of folk that can play right-back just now. That is our most stacked position, which considering what has been like in previous years is crazy.
0: Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, if you can play right-back, you can play left-back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> that's how it seems to look after to tonight's game
3: remember the, the, for the history of the Whitecaps the right, right side has been the most difficult side to fill yeah. in uh, and, uh, and the now, now we've and got them good.
1: coming out of our ears it's yeah. like we've got what, six, but, seven?
0: We um, the, uh, they had some pretty high highs with Lee, uh, Lee Young-Pyo YP, yeah. yeah, YP was Lee here, was the one and Stephen well. yes,
3: but before and after those two yeah. it, it was like a desert of right back. yeah so that was
1: all the new additions. There was two departures this week. Out and loan, Theo Bear off the Norwegian second tier side Ham Cam. That's their shortened name. I'm not even going to try and go for their, their proper name. I love that. It just reminds me of Cameron Habibula for some reason. But he's there to the end of the, the Norwegian season. Ham Cam are currently leading the Obos Legion by a point after 13 games as they chase promotion to the top flight. It's a good move for both Bayer and the Whitecaps. I, I think people were saying, "Why is he not going to the CPL?" Without maybe thinking, maybe he didn't want to go to the CPL. He's a guy that's wanted to try his hand at Europe. This is his chance.
2: I, I'm actually hoping it turns out to be something like what happened to Eric Hurtado when we yeah. back when the Robo's was in charge. When well, he comes he
1: back, does terrible and we we get rid. <laughs>
2: No, he actually <laughs> changed, like his, mind, no, his mentality his, yeah, his mentality know. changed completely. It, I mean, it, I don't see did. Theo Bear in training. I don't know his personality how he is. I'm it's may- been
1: up and down from what yeah. Mark said, but he had he was having a good mentality off late. But mm-hmm. I mean, folk have said, "Oh, well, at least he'll maybe get minutes now." Look, he's had some time this year, not a lot, and he hasn't done great. He didn't do particularly great at under 23 level he needs yeah. this to maybe try and like revitalize his career and this is that really chance to test him and yeah. I, I i think it's good for both parties and yeah we'll see if he has what it takes zach
0: yeah i i, can, I agree with naveed like you hope this does what it's intended to do raise his level get a match fit match confidence uh, and ready to either come back or to move on uh to what you know what his dreams are. In terms of the CPL comments and stuff, like yeah that that's fine. And and lots of young Canadians still want to go and play in Europe. Some will go via the Canadian Premier League route mm-hmm. and some won't.
1: Um also a lot of the CPL teams are up to their max twenty three man roster. I know there's been a couple of additions the last couple of days, but that's not to say that they needed Theo
0: or wanted Theo. Yeah. Well, everyone was waiting for the CPL designated, designated player lottery of Ben Ten to finish, right? Yeah, and Which he's now going to cavalry, him. so I'm delighted for him. Hope to but catch no, up with him but, soon. But for Theo, yeah, I just uh, I hope that this gives him a new perspective on you know what it means to be a professional footballer and helps him to you know to play to his level and makes him even better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of time for Theo. We've watched him play since he was about fifteen here, and watched him come through. I, I, I hope this kind of, as Nifed says, does the kind of Eric thing, makes him view things with a different viewpoint. He learns right. a lot, and he, and he comes back. If he does very well, and Ham Cam get promoted, he might even end up staying in in Norway and carving out a career there. So,
0: yes, win win. Norway was good for Sam, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it got him the bigger Eric, move yeah. as well.
6: Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. uh,
3: I just want to mention that there is actually, if you Google HamCam, there's actually a camera uh, uh, pointed at a cured ham, the world's oldest cured ham.
1: (laughs) I thought it was going to be a pig or something, so I I guess it is
3: in a way. Well, no, it is a pig. It's from 1902, the cured ham. It's been sitting in, it's actually a camera on there, so if you want to look, check that out. I thought HamCam was basically just what the CPL
1: have in one soccer.
2: (laughs) Subtle
3: joke there.
1: Um, So, Bear out on loan, as is Jean Franco, Fashionary. He became the sixth white cap out on loan. He's off to join Landy Cakes at San Diego Loyal. That's a good move for him as well. And again, it was like, why is he not going to CPL? Do the white caps think USL is at a better level? San Diego Loyal is a good team. He's going to learn a lot there. He's in an environment where Landon Donovan and some other b- big guys down there. Great move for Fashionary. I I tweeted out when the Whitecaps came back from Utah, the first training session, I had to look up to see who Fashionary was from his number because I did not recognize him. He is buff. He's put the working in in the gym. He's looking a beast. He needs to get playing time. You're not going to throw him in as a centre-back towards this run-in when you're really needing things to tick. So, again, a great move from Steve.
3: Yeah, it gives him an opportunity to play. I don't know what You know San Diego's depth chart is there or anything like that, but um, you can definitely be have a better option uh, to play. You love Uh, San Diego, yeah. I love San Diego. One place I would live in America. Um, Road trip for us. uh, Yeah, great place, and yeah, and he's got a lot of uh, potential. um, But they've had uh, quite a few center backs that had that potential. It's just a matter of turning it into something. He's been the, the first
1: uh, one that's made the breakthrough, though, to the MLS roster, because that was always our big complaint. It's like, we're, we're not developing the centre-backs. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of them just ended up going to college and stuff. And one of them, Joel Harrison, they drafted in the draft this year, so they have his MLS rights. But Yeah. But that, that's it for this part, I think. I think we've talked enough about the comings and goings. Let's talk next about the match tonight. It's another draw, but it means the Whitecaps are unbeaten in four, one defeat in eight. I will delve into all of that after this.
7: Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: Hunting witches has turned into hunting bitches, and for
8: some reason I can't seem to relax. Do me a favour and find out the facts before you come to my door, ready to attack.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the latest song, and it really is the latest song, from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN this month, from Sacramento, California, like Navid. Although really? they've kind of relocated to Oakland now, Naveed, But Hello? Oh, maybe you can actually get me some of their CDs, because I cannot find them on, online. and I in a shop can in look Oakland. into that. Yeah, I they might have been in some shop in Sacramento as well. Let me know. I will. I look into it. Destroy Boys. And that was their new single, Locker Room Bully, the first track taken from their third album, Open Heart, Open Mouth. It's getting released on October 8th. Sadly, not on CD, just on vinyl and this newfangled thing called MP3. I don't think it'll catch on. I'm sure the CDs will come back, just like cassette tapes have. I messaged the band asking if they were going to release it on CD. They didn't reply.
3: You okay. can also check out their video on uh, YouTube as well. It's very want. good. Yeah, they're just running through the streets in old-timey uh, yes.
1: clothing. It's all about witches, witch trials, tying it in with what locker rooms in high school are like these days. But, thankfully, we don't have any locker room bullies at the Whitecaps or a bad locker room this year. Everyone's talking about how good the locker room atmosphere is. It's a close-knit group of players. They will fight for each other. We saw that tonight, another fighting second half performance from the White Caps. One I'll draw down in LA. To paraphrase the visionary cunning linguist that was Mr John Bon Jovi. Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa. whoa. The White Caps might be living in a prayer if they want to make the postseason halfway mark of the season, guys. Yay. I'm sure we all feel it's felt longer than halfway through the season, doesn't it? Man,
2: 13 games, no wins, right? Is it 13 S- games? 17. 17 games? We, we have won. When was the last time we won? Oh, the last time. We, well,
1: uh, it's sometime within the last seven or eight games. Yeah, yeah. Against the LA Galaxy at Utah. Yeah, yeah, that was
3: recent. Yeah, that was well, the most
1: yeah, two or three win.
3: games ago or whatever. I don't blame you for not remembering. It's just all. It feels, it feels
1: a lot longer ago. I've got to say. I mean, maybe we'll need some divine information, Zach. See what you can do. I mean, in gold, we trust. I'm sure that will be some of the Tifo banners at, at BC place in in a couple of weeks' time. But another draw, seventh draw of the season. The way this played out with the first half performance that was terrible.
2: Yeah. The
1: injuries that they've got, the missing pieces they had going into this. Kava getting injured at the end of the first half. Surely, Zach, you take a point in this one with both hands.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Also, just, I think, don't don't be too upset at the seven draws, because they are making up for the zero draws from last yes. year. Yes, so. and then we have 15 or 16 one year as well, I think. Yeah, so this is normal. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't a great first half, and like you said, there was, uh, you know, Issues with, you know, starting lineup to begin with, uh, with players out. At, and then, yeah, having to make two significant changes at the half, I think. um Well, I mean, it, it ended up, they ended up being able to turn it around the second half, but yeah, it was not a good first half performance.
2: No, I think we were lucky, to be honest.
0: Yeah. first half um, They're were lucky to just
1: go in one goal down Navira, right, at, at right, halftime right. there. And I, I don't know what it is. They come out as a completely different team in the uh, second half of matches.
3: You can say lucky, but I think Max Krippel had a lot to do with that as well.
1: Yeah, right. he had a, he had a couple of a big stops in that first half, and I mean, we'll we'll get into obviously the the goal and everything very soon, but it's it's one of those games. Like going into this, looking at this three game home stretch, if we got a point tonight. Even a point against San Jose and a win against Austin, and you're coming out with five points, I'm happy enough with that. Get a win in San Jose and a win in Austin, you're coming home with seven points. I'm happy with that. At half time, I would have taken anything to get a draw out of this because I did not see them turning this around.
2: And the goal came from out of nowhere too. I mean, it was yeah.
1: a
0: set It was. But they not... started the second half strong. But
1: let, let's yeah. look, 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 look. Let's look My at the goal.
0: goal. In one way, it felt like a game from earlier in the year. Horrible first half, a yes. gold equalized. Because they
1: had turned that around and they were like coming out strong. And I spoke to Mark in the build-up to this game and he said, look, we're looking at the blueprint of what we did in Seattle, what we did in Dallas, what we did at LAFC. And that was a lot of that was coming out in the front foot. Now, it could be that LA just didn't let them or the missing pieces were, were huge. You really saw what Dahomey means to this team tonight and... That's worrying if it turns out to be dragging on a a little bit with with the homie. But let's look at the goal, Steve. 32 minutes in. I mean, the Galaxy had squandered a massive chance before that from Goodsir. He should have put that away. But a couple of minutes later, Kevin Cabral makes it 1-0. Some of the worst defending we've seen from the Whitecaps for a long time, and that's saying
0: something. What was Renko doing?
3: Let's not let's not blame Ranko right off the bat. If you if you actually move the video back a little bit, you'll see Patrick Metcalf way too high up the yep. pitch, and he's supposed to be sitting in the middle in front of those uh, two center backs. When he's gone, none of the other two center backs cover for him, oh, and and then that forces Godoy to move out the pitch, which leaves Ranko basically covering two people, and he's got to choose which guy he's going to go to. So I, you can uh, at the end of it blame Ranko, but. That's us not lay, no, uh, was, leave there's the blame a lot, off the other.
1: a lot of blame all But a guy is that open, Naveed, there's I a lot of blame like, to go
2: right. Yeah, throughout the first, I felt like collectively defense, like they were past, they had so much possession and like breaking yeah, lines easily. 59 to 41 yeah, was the halftime was, possession. Yeah, I felt they easily broke the lines in between and I mean, I mean, like Steve said, I don't think you can really blame Rancourt particularly. But overall, it just—I don't think they look great at all.
1: A lot of it has to go in the midfield, and right. a, like Kyle Alejandra had a shocker. He was like missing an action in that first half, got pulled off at half time, was not because of an injury. Mark basically says, "Yep, yeah, he was ineffective." That's something we're going to need to look at.
3: Well, he—he's one of the guys that was close to being able to cover for Metcalf. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't, didn't even try to get close to that box area where uh, the, and you could see Godoy moving up the pitch off his line. So basically it was basically a three man back with the two fullbacks at the ends of the box, essentially. So Renkel was left on an Island with two, with two attackers.
1: What I didn't like at the goal, apart from obviously the marking was the body language when it went in the heads. And we haven't seen this from the white caps and that's been one of the positives and one of the plus things and something I've talked up. Their heads went down at that goal and they looked defeated. And I was like, oh, that is not a good sign. And I didn't see a a way back at all. Then Kava gets a knock on the knee. Well, if he kind of indicated he'd got a knock earlier, but he went down after jumping when no one really near him or touching him and went down holding his knee looked like it was going to go off, somehow continued to half time, somehow gets a bicycle kick in with his injured knee, and it's like, oh, maybe he's not as bad after all, yeah. but another one that gets pulled off at half
3: time yeah, but you could tell after he did that bicycle kick that he was feeling the knee yeah he, when he got up he was like actually like kind of pre- putting pressure on to see if he, how he felt on it. he was so walking
1: definitely... very Tim Parkerly
3: yeah, and
1: I, I was hoping it was going to come out for the second half. I thought it might just have been precautionary, but when I asked Mark after the game, didn't seem to indicate that that was the case and he needs a full evaluation. He's feeling a lot of discomfort, is what they said. That is not a good sign.
3: The thing is with him, um, there are players like that that can damage their knee and still play on it because they have other muscles. Like he's got, you know, you've seen his legs. They're very like strong and everything. Those legs can probably, are has muscles that can probably like basically compensate like, I'm saying uh, this is a worst-case scenario. Like, I've seen football players... I've heard of football players who uh, tear their ACL or something but still can play because their other muscles are strong enough to mm. hold on to that for now. And that could be something that's some about it.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll get the full evaluation next week. But, I mean, the the, the subs at halftime, in the V totally added a, a freshness and a spark to it. Russell Tybert came on for Kyle Alejandra. Uh, Ryan Raposo came on for Cava for moving... Really to a front too, we had Kaisido um and White kinda of playing up top together there. But it was a different team in the second half. They just they, they took the game to LA from the the, the kickoff at the second half and there was a spark, there was a
0: brightness, there was just a different feel to it. I just, I just want to say one last thing about Caillou. Yeah, he did have a horrible first half. And actually, I went back and watched it again, Steve. And the reason why Metcalf actually moved up the way he did is because Caillou put in like a ghost challenge on the guy and the guy yeah. was barging in. So Mac- Metcalf filled in his
3: no, Yeah, I know. I, I'm just saying that let's not blame Rankle fully for that because when you're stuck by oh, no, yourself no. With, with two people. I, each, I know. He was he, between
0: two guys. It just like he, it looked like the one he left more open was more central. That, that was my, my biggest goal. Yeah. But no, I think I think the the, the changes obviously obviously helps. I mean, um, I think the four of us would agree that Russell Tybert's not a starting player in MLS yep. at this point, but he is a serviceable player and can contribute. And I think we, I think everyone saw that again. Um, I'm, like, I'm,
1: I'll be honest I like him coming off the bench because right. it does add something when it looked like they were going to bring him on initially for Kava I was a bit like uh, I'm not sure about that but
0: and it was supposed to replace Kava right? Yeah, yeah. officially on,
1: on the thing and then they kind of tinkered things but I mean they started fresh at the second half and I thought oh here we go we've seen this before this is a different team had a a, a couple of forays forward won a corner Ranko, Veselinovic, not a great first half as we talked about. Gets his first Whitecaps goal. to five minutes into the second half. Lovely header and, well, delighted for him. Hopefully it takes a little bit off the, the pressure on him because I know he's probably been wanting to get that that goal. Still doesn't make up for defensive lapses, but it's going to give him some confidence. He's had a little bit of a, a torrid time, Naveed, this season, Some good games, some bad games, some really bad Mm -hmm. mistakes that he's made. So, hopefully, this will kind of settle down a bit. I was delighted for him, and it was a well-taken goal.
2: Right. No, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure it's going to give him confidence. But now with Florian coming in, now that's going to be... uh, I'm sure that he's one of the guys that's going to be out, I guess. I'm pretty sure we'll
1: see Flo start the San Jose or the Austin Oh, he'll play San Jose.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I could see him playing. I myself. would
1: imagine Saniz because he's going to have a little bit of
3: the inside
2: oh, scoop on how to 100%. play against these guys. So. That'll be it's exciting.
3: Yeah. yeah, but he but he also might be more needed in the midfield at this point too.
2: Mm. Like
3: That's, if he is if capable of playing the midfield, then he then he might be starting in front of them because that might be more important than uh, than playing at the back line. Yeah, because he can play yeah.
1: DMs. So, I mean, he could come in for Metcalf possibly. Yeah. I was going to say midweek, but it's on Friday night. A great, great delivery from Caicedo as well onto Ranco's head for the goals. I, yeah. He's he's had a few of those this year, and yeah, just need to try and get a little bit more of that out of him.
0: It was a good, it was a good header from Ranko, Don't get me wrong, yeah. kissed the post and in. It's pretty dodgy goalkeeping as well, though. Yes, like that. That needs to be noted. That that keeper. That, but Bonds Bond had, had a no...
1: mixed season yeah. for the Galaxy. There's been some some really
0: weak moments from him. Yeah, but again for from Ranko's perspective, you can only you can only score past what's in front of you and exactly. he did the job. I mean, after
1: that, the White Caps they had a good spell where they they looked a better team. I don't know what happened to the Galaxy. It's they were flat as anything coming out for that second half and I mean, they Bob Bradley, Greg vanney made some Forgot what LA team were playing. Made some subs of his own to kind of bring things back, and they they got back more into the game. It was a bit more end to end, but the Galaxy had the maybe more of the the danger. So then MDS counted that bringing on Ryan Gold, making his first appearance. The discussions before going into this where he was he wanted to give Ryan if he could fifteen minutes. He said he was going to travel down to LA. Said he may or may not play, but I think the general feeling was he was going to. Came on with 15 minutes to go, and I think he showed why he's a DP, why the Whitecaps want him, what he can do
2: for this team, Navid, and very unfortunate not to get his first goal. That was exciting to see, just coming in 10 minutes and seeing that piece of quality right away, that one chance he had. Football uh, IQ. I, right, yeah. You can tell you the difference, it. right? You see it right away. And I'm actually curious to see if he's going to play now more than 10 minutes in, against San Jose. Maybe give him 20, half yeah, an hour, maybe? Yeah, I think
1: they, I mean, he hasn't played since the 18th of May. So it's ne- it's coming up for nearly three months. And like, when I spoke to Ryan, he said, man, I'm I'm not up to fitness levels. And we'll hear from mm. him after the game as well. And I, I, I said to him, hey, you look pretty fresh out there. He's like, hey, that's, that's deceiving because I wasn't. <laughs> That's some of our thoughts on the draw tonight. Down with the LA Galaxy. Let's hear some post-game thoughts just now from Whitecaps head coach, the Gaffer, Mark Desantis. I I know that at some point you need to start turning these these draws into wins to to climb the table. But that was a very very good point tonight. the The fact that at halftime it didn't look like you were you were going to come out of this match with anything. What happened in that second half? What brought that extra spark?
5: We uh, no, it wasn't only a, it wasn't a spark, you know. It's uh, how we 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 addressed the second half, and we changed some some pieces, and we changed tactically what we wanted to do. Uh, we could have uh, addressed it earlier in the first half because it was uh, it was difficult for us the first half. It was uh, we weren't able to. To press them well, you know we we tried to to be a little bit more aggressive. But the way they came out with three players all the time, we felt that we were late to everything. Uh, they were overloading one side. They were making it very hard uh, on us on one side uh, with the ball movement. And um, Leggett was dropping especially on the our right side where Brian was, and there was. Uh, Williams there, there was uh, Villa Fanya getting high, there was uh, Grand Sir getting wide, and we we weren't able to address and to and to press that area of the field well. Um, we thought about doing something earlier, um, but you know we were able to to bring it to half. At half time, we we addressed tactically. we we went with uh, David and uh, Brian White together. And they initiated the pressure. They were uh, more aggressive. Uh, they the the lines were able were able. We were able to push the lines higher. Uh, and then with uh, with Deiber coming underneath and opening a little bit wired rusty and and uh, Deiber, we were we were able to be more dangerous. Look, not only we. We got the draw, but I felt in moments of the second half that we we were very close to to getting the the win. Um, you know, the problem is, Michael, if you look at our results on the road, I don't think that that's a problem uh, when you're in the MLS. You know, many teams uh, would like to go on the road and get the results that we're getting in very difficult places. Um, but the problem is where we are, and because we don't play home and we haven't played home for so long, we have to go win on the road. And uh, that's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. But look, every point matters. To every point, uh, now it's five games uh, undefeated and always playing away. And every point puts us in a, in a position to to grow uh, and to get better. But, you know, there was things in the first half that were really, really bad. Um but then in the second half we were we were much better, we addressed things much better and we were able to get the the point that is an important point.
1: I mean you you touched on it there, you could very easily have come away with all all three in this one. Some really great chances late on. Ryan Gold had a a few good opportunities. I know you, you don't want people to get carried away, you want to give them time to bed in. But, I mean, that performance in those 13 minutes, it certainly showed what he can be to this team when he's at at full fitness.
5: Yes, uh, but it's Ryan Gold. That's how he is. If you would look uh, at his game this season in Portugal, it's the type of player he is. But, um, you know, we said today, uh, 15 minutes. That was the plan. He came on. At minute 75, and of course, when he came on, he brought what I think he's gonna bring uh, with consistency. And uh, he had a very good chance. not I wouldn't call it a chance, he made it a chance a little bit out of nothing with the quality of his shot. A very good save, he got to the end of one, he was so close to get to the end of one. Um. But look, now we have a deeper bench. Now we have a lot of options and that helps that helps keep the team healthy and that keep, helps keep the team uh, keep the team sharp.
1: The gaffer Mark DeSantis there. Waxing lyrical as well about what Ryan Gold can mean to this team. It's that football IQ, Zach. I I was on the post-game show tonight and talking to Corey and Colin Miller and we are chatting about that and Colin made that point about him coming in and having that, that intellect. Pedro Morales, Kenny Miller... I struggle to find some other guys that we've brought in that's got that that level of IQ and the, the vision and they can see the game.
0: Yeah, Davide. Davide, Davide before Davide.
1: that, yeah. yeah. I mean, those are the special guys that other teams seem to find in abundance for years in MLS, and we struggle to to find those guys. And it's early. I don't want to go on the hype train. I don't want to build him up too much. He he showed the flashes tonight. <laughs> it's it's got to excite people
0: yeah for sure i mean he comes on and the first play i remember is him going down the left wing not thinking twice putting in a left-footed cross which was actually a decent cross then having some good on the other wing on the other flank mm-hmm. some good interchange to create uh, an opportunity to create a to create a chance on goal and then yeah he had the one where he kind of mishit it or was a little behind him or whatever and that that, that could have been his his moment but yeah, it's it's both encouraging, it's exciting. Yeah, you don't. I agree with you, Michael. You don't want to hype him up too much, so that he has a has a potential for a big fall labor. It, it is so. It's encouraging, but it's also kind of frustrating that it's like, yeah, like not like every single person who's watched the Vancouver Whitecaps for the last well since Pedro left, right? I've said the same thing. This is the type of player that that is needed, and so it, getting a morsel. Getting a morsel of it tonight, I think, is encouraging for people who, who want to see them uh, kick on and do well. The thing is, Steve, with Pedro, with
1: Kenny Miller, there wasn't a lot of other guys in the team that could see the game the way that they saw them, even in the smallest thing. We've spoken many times about Kenny Miller playing passes that he's expecting Darn Mattix to run onto and Darn's like yeah. <laughs> but- "Well, But you, you could you could
3: you could you could see that uh, frustration from Kenny Miller in training. Mm. I remember being at training sessions where he would be kicking Abs- the post. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, after yep. the, 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 so, but it um, feels like
1: Ryan's got some guys around him now that yeah, shares that same sure. kind of vision.
3: Yep, and and I'm you guys are going to do it. I'll do it. Ryan Gold, 2022 MLS MVP, stamp it right there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, so I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get um, I'm
0: <laughs> Steve, you're supposed um, to say your bold predictions for next week's match or Friday night's match. Did I nail a bold prediction somewhere? I can't remember.
3: Oh
1: well. Um, well, I certainly wasn't into Miami when was No, it the definitely Easter wasn't conference. there. <laughs> um,
3: Th- there's bold and there was whatever that was. Yeah. Um. Uh. Mold. Um. Uh. But yeah, I I, I think you're right. I think that they, there is way more um around him than what either of the other players had in the past. Like the, like you said, the Pedro Morales, Kenny Miller. David coming in. although I, I say coming into it, had decent running mates with guys like Alan Rochette mm. and Eric Castley, and stuff he like wasn't that.
1: consistent enough though. That was the problem. Well, that with, was his problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, too
3: mm. much spaghetti. Um,
1: yeah, I guess you um, could say that about Pedro in his later years as well. I think yeah. the travel and the back issues that he had yeah. really started to to make him a shadow of his
0: of his former self. I, mean, I think playing under the, the keeper. Yes. Playing on the turf. Or, Playing on that turf hurt Pedro as yeah, well, I believe. A lot. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't,
1: yeah. of course, seen Ryan Gold playing on that turf or any other artificial surface either. So that yeah, but, take a little but, bit from getting but, used to.
3: But the, but I've I've heard, and especially remember hearing this from uh, in interviews from Peter Beardsley, is when they came over here and they and obviously the gra- the you know the pitches in Europe are much better nowadays. But they would say that they were able to control the ball so much easier uh, on turf. Uh, because they knew exactly where the ball was going to bounce and everything, so maybe this might right. be better for him. Who knows?
2: It won't be good on the knees, though. Yeah, sure. it's just on the body. Yeah. It's just yeah. on the body. Yeah. My know. my
1: my worry with, with that with Ryan is he has had some hamstring issues in recent seasons as well. So it's just that's why they're being slow with him because they don't want him to to get rushed too early and then then something happens. Last thing I'll say about Ryan's performance tonight. That shot that he created, the dipping one that forced Bond to to yep. sp- sprawl and save, that was quality.
2: Quality, yeah, right away. I
3: Can you imagine if it. that
1: had gone in, talk about the hype train, oh. that would have been
2: like...
3: <laughs> I was a little bit concerned with that uh, dive that happened late by LA Galaxy and Karma Karma coming back from the Dahomey thing the week before. I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, wasn't worried called.
1: because as soon as he went down, I screamed at the telly, "Diving bastard!" He,
0: yeah. didn't, he didn't even get booked though, right? No,
3: no,
1: I don't no. think he's, he's going to get a fine afterwards though. Yeah, it's two like months. that's that's yeah, definitely that coming his way. That was shocking, absolutely shocking. Um, I mean, I'm all for gamesmanship, kind of winning penalties, but that was just blatant cheating. And yeah, the homie yeah. made it look good. <laughs> yeah. Because there was an element of doubt, Steve, wasn't there?
3: Yeah.
1: Wasn't clear and obvious? Anyway, let's go back to Ryan Gold. I got a chance to speak to Ryan after the match. Let's see what he had to say. First of all, just chatting about what it was like after this week, all the attention he's got to finally get on the pitch and become a, an official playing Vancouver Whitecap.
7: Uh, good to finally get on the pitch. Uh, a bit tired but um, now the most important thing was the that we managed a, a decent result, and in the end, you know, we created enough chances to win it. But after going behind, um, you know, we take the draw.
1: So your your first experience of uh, an MLS match, an MLS stadium. What did you make of the the whole atmosphere, the tempo of the game, quality of the game?
7: Um, it was a a great experience. Um, you know, it was a it was my first time being here this stadium um, and very impressed with them in the first half and then we, we looked a much better team in the second half so uh, you know I could see, I already knew there was a lot of quality um, throughout all the teams in the league but um, yeah I think we held we held our own especially in the second half and um, like I said we could, uh, we could have ended up with the three points easily.
1: Yeah you had a, a couple of looks at goal towards the end of the game there. Did you I mean it's it's hard coming into a new team at the best of times, but trying to get that kind of chemistry going with some guys, it looked quite natural out there. Watching your training this week, it looks like you've kind of fit into this team right away.
7: Yeah, you know, being being surrounded by good players, it makes it easier to um to gel to, to fit into the team and it's a, it's a good bunch of a good bunch of boys as well. So, you know, um whenever you've got Quality around about you it always makes it easy, the the transition easier. And
1: it's your first game in nearly three months. Did it feel like that for you out there? It didn't look like it. I mean, you looked pretty fresh, but did, you said you were tired. Did you feel it a little bit towards the end?
7: Uh, I might uh, I might have looked fresher than I felt, but uh, now hopefully you know it's not going to take me long to get the fitness back. And that was a good I, I don't know what I got tonight 15-20 minutes. So um, that's that's a start, and I'll I'll have to build on that now and train hard and whenever I'm called upon again and um, give my maximum just to to get as close to 100% as I can thanks Ryan cheers mate thank you, gold, gold.
1: To you gold, gold. Ryan Gold in gold be trust golden balls I will get that trending I am determined to try and make that work So, big game coming up on the road. Or two big games coming up on the road before the homestand kicks in. We've got San Jose, Austin. We'll touch on that in the next part. After that, it's nine games that BC plays from the remaining 15 that they'll have. And I I just want to finish this part by by looking at that. And I touched on it in the first part there. So many folk are saying, oh, it's going to be back home. It's giving them this huge advantage. But is it? Because there is guys that's not going to have played in that turf. Not going to have played in front of fans at BC Place. It's going to take some of them a bit of getting used to. Yeah, it can eventually turn into a home fortress. But I don't know that we can confidently say, Naveed, that they're going to hit the ground running and right away in those first two games, LAFC, RSL, be a dominant force at home. The trouble is, though, they kind of need to
2: be. Right. But like you said, the players... The new ones definitely they still need in- because the BC play surface, but I mean, I've been on it many times. They they definitely need some time to get used to it.
5: You definitely I,
2: need to replace that turf, it's yeah, way overdue getting replaced, right? Is, is it when was, Actually, I wait. It was
1: five years it was replaced for the women's world? What, cup.
2: Well, women's world cup, right?
1: That's the last time,
2: yeah, yeah, women's Ooh. world cup. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not good, yeah. Um, well, nine games. I don't know how many he, he needs to win out of those games to get into playoffs, but he it's, definitely it's, needs... Seven or eight puts you in a really good position, you'd feel, no matter what you end up oh, doing. I can't roles. see them win seven, eight. I don't know. It's going to be tough.
1: That, that's uh, that's the thing, though. Is like, that's kind yeah. of what they need to do. Because they have to start turning these
3: draws on. Unless... Wins, but they have to start really... winning at home.
2: Uh, unless... The thing, or, yeah.
3: The thing is, we don't know who... like Because you got you're going to have teams coming in. We don't know who's vaccinated, who's not, who's not, who's going to be playing. Yeah, on those. They teams seem to have from... changed
1: those rules a little bit from what I've been hearing. I can't remember the full ins and outs, but for example, no, pr- like De Leon can come and go and play without like quarantining and stuff. Oh, for,
3: I thought that was. I did not know. Yeah, that Yeah,
1: they, they've made some changes.
3: Oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Hurtado could have played in Montreal then. Um, <laughs> uh, but that, but like I said, they're coming. Um, into BC Place, um, it's it's a different atmosphere. It's not an easier road trip than going to Salt Lake, so that's that makes it difficult. Players are going to have to come in the night before; they can't come a couple days earlier, and they okay. basically are going to be somewhat quarantined in their hotels. They can't really yeah. do anything. Um, so I don't know. It, it is possible for them, and and the team, the the home team, Vancouver, is going to get a boost. Uh, yeah. it's natural. It's whether it's enough. Yeah, whether, that's the and, question. Yeah. And whether they could channel that boost into victories, because they could channel it into being uh, nervous on the pitch as well and screw it up completely. That uh,
1: first game, they're going to be nervous, Zach. You've got to feel.
0: Do we Do we know, are those first two 13,000 uh, matches, are those sold out yet? I don't think they are, because there was emails that came
1: out saying that single match tickets are now available. Okay. I, I think there's still, I mean, you've seen it with Pacific FC.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they had 5,000 and they're not selling that out. I I think there's still a little bit of... I need to wait and see. And cases are are rising here. Watching CTV News tonight, uh, one of the medical experts that was on saying fully expecting cases in BC to get over 1,000 again on a daily basis, which is like...
0: 1,000 on a daily basis? Yeah. Oh, my.
1: I mean, we're up at 400 at the moment, and they said it's going to get worse before it gets better. So factor that in there's still going to be people that are hesitant to go I, I'm nervous I'll be honest I'm nervous about going I was at the Whitecaps under 23 game the day I was calling the game with Gideon against FC Tigers at Swan Guard there's a like 6-800 to people is Gideon, at,
0: old, at is Gideon old enough to get the vaccine yet? He, he is he's he's, oh, double, okay. he's double dosed he's double oh, yeah. wrapped. Okay so you're safe? He, I, 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 I hope safe. so but here, I mean, here's, a, I mean, this is maybe not a conversation we want to have right now. But a friend uh, who I know well, who was doing studying over in the UK, double vaxxed everything. And now he's got the Delta variant. Like, so there's oh, all, yeah, there's all this stuff yeah. that
1: i I'm, I'm worried about where it's going for the rest of the year here and what it's going to mean for live sports and attending. I mean even if the fans can't get in, hopefully the Whitecaps can see the season out at BC place and they don't have to go and... and I mean, this exemption will hopefully be for the end of the season because it's going to be absolutely heartbreaking for them if they have to go away again. I think it will be. I, I'm confident of that. I'm not fully confident that this restriction that's getting lifted in September for full fans is going to be taking place the way that things are going.
2: The only way I could see them actually pull results would be actually if everyone stays healthy and MDS actually gets a chance to play his best team consistently. Yeah, they, for three, they like,
1: need that yeah. badly. The injuries oh, yeah. are getting worrying. Yeah, uh,
2: because if he keeps going like this again, like, Players coming in and out, it's going to be the same.
0: Well, thing. yeah, because who's it? okay? The home is out. The home and Gutierrez right.
2: were out today. Um, Gutierrez out. took a knock
1: midweek in training. Uh, Baldissimo was missing today from yellow car accumulation, so he, he's back. Um, right now, with Cava, that's maybe the only other injury. It's just a little bit worrying on the left side. I thought Jake, though, I mean, let, let's give Jake credit, doesn't play left back. I thought he was good at left back today.
2: Yeah. I thought so too. He did I get the job done. I, mean. I
1: was surprised when I saw it. Surprised to see Brian White on the
0: wing. I, I think he that was didn't helped. work as well. No. You got to have some <laughs> pace in the wing. I, 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 think, I think Jake was helped in that second half having Russell to be yeah. able to cover for There's a few times where Russell was covering for him. So he could try and get into the attack, which he loves to do, and which is helpful for the team's offense. Because he knew... Kind of like we talked about earlier in the season with Guti, he knew he could bomb forward because Russell was going to fill yeah. in for him, and so that that helped. That I think helped him in the second half. A uh, Jake can't be the left back, your full time left back going forward. Oh no, but, no, no. But no. in a spot covered, uh, yeah, he, yeah. Did, he did a respectable job.
2: Yeah. How did uh, how long is Guti out for? We don't know.
1: They don't. Know. Um. So he it was Wednesday at training. He just felt something. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed, not long. But I guess. We'll wait and see, because there's two two games coming up pretty quickly, Friday, Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Last thing I want to mention this part, mentioned it there, the Whitecaps under-23s taking on FC Tigers Vancouver at Swangard this afternoon. One all-draw. Uh, magnificent to call the game at Swangard. Happy just to be back in general watching Whitecaps taking the pitch there. Great game. If you haven't seen it, check it out on FC Tiger Vancouver's uh, YouTube channel. Really, really entertaining game. Some really good white caps young guys coming through the ranks. There was three guys from the MLS roster on that. Isaac Bomer and Gall, who did not have a, a great game. I've got to say that. He's mm. a little bit shaky. I saw the ball, yeah. uh, Cameron Habibula, uh, he was there as well. Average. Couple of flashes, but not lighting it up the way that all these folk on Twitter who's like, why is he not playing? Watch that. You'll see why he still needs to develop and get a bit of time.
0: Aren't those like friends and family, though? Like, not to, not to be disrespectful. Not, not all of them, no. Oh, okay.
1: No. I mean, I'm very high on Cam. He's got a bright yeah, yeah. future ahead of oh, him. Yeah. You don't want to be throwing him into this kind of situation. And in this match, he showed he's very easy to take out of a game. So there's that as well. Mateo Campania though, who has got the homegrown deal, but isn't on the roster yet till there's a space available. He came on the second half. Actually, played centre back with his brother Christian as well, which was lovely to see the two of them as the centre back pair. And he bossed the second half when he came on; he was outstanding. But for me, three white caps that were tremendous today that I just want to mention: Nicholas Apostol, who we've seen before playing for WFC two back in the day, went to college. Now back in the caps fold, he was excellent. Um, Elijah Ba who is a guy I didn't know much about. He came on and added a great spark in the second half, some really good runs. And John Herdman's son, Jay Herdman, he came on and Uh the first five, ten minutes that he came on, watch that. Tremendous. Uh, Amazing, like, spark. I, I guess from having reports about him, the feeling is he might be too small and too slight to really make it. Uh, far and high level in the pro game but I
0: mean Ryan Gold's no big yeah I was going to say you got the Scottish Messi you got the other Messi you know size doesn't have and to and he's only
1: 16 and I
0: spoke about fashionary how
1: hitting the gym what that does to you
0: well I want to know what was his motivational like speech to his teammates like that's what I want to know
1: I don't know John was there today as well I didn't get a chance to to speak to him so if you're listening to the, the show John your son was fantastic get in touch we'd love to chat to you about it But that is it for this part. We're going to be back talking a little bit more whitecaps and looking
5: at the weekend's action around the MLS West after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, all the way from down under, it's The Chats with their song Heatstroke. From their debut album, 2020's High Risk Behaviour, they are the most Australian band you will ever see, ever listen to. I love them. Great songs very much a late 1970s punk vibe so naturally i'm gonna love that i I need to get them as artists of the month actually at some point this year so i will do that but heat stroke thought it was very apt because it's been a nice cool weekend i've really enjoyed it or as i like to call it a scottish summer scottish heat wave really the temperatures of the, the weekend here today 17 and 18 degrees. It's going to get horrible, hot and toasty again towards the end of the week. 35, 36 they're talking about for Thursday. Everyone stay safe, stay hydrated, stay out of the heat. And for I know we've got a lot of folk that are listening out in the Okanagan as well. Stay safe, guys. And hopefully the wildfires don't get a, a lot worse. What's it like down in your neck of the woods, actually, in the weed just now? I know that the interior of California hit quite bad. 40
2: degrees, smoky, really bad. Any yeah.
1: fires near you or you Yeah, sick?
2: Sacramento. It's really foggy around you. W- wow. Or worse than Vancouver, that's for sure. No, it's definitely one of those things that's concerning, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. The only time I've I've spoken to you before, like I drove through Sacramento, I was at mm. like Tahoe and coming back. And right. it was so hot then. Oh yeah. But it was so, so barren. My GPS showed what was meant to be a river or a reservoir or something and it's like bone dry and you're like, Wow.
2: No, it's, it's pretty bad down here.
1: That's yeah, that was like a good six, seven years ago. and I know it's been a really bad couple of summers. So mm-hmm. everyone stay safe and hopefully we can get through this weekend and then things will start to, to cool down a bit. Back to Whitecaps chat for a little bit, then we'll turn our attention to the rest at MLS. Now, we touched on it in the last part. Defensive worries if Gutierrez is out for, for too long. Jake has done well. I was surprised, though, that they didn't switch Jervain Brown to... To left back where he has played, and keep Jake at right back. Mark said it was for not wanting to shake too many things up, which I was a bit confused by because Jake started at right back in the last game, so I, I didn't quite get that. But like going forward, I mean, what what do you do? Do you persevere with a makeshift if Guti can't go? Do you put Russell Tiber in a, a there? Do you put Javane Brown? Do you switch to a back three or a back five?
0: I think Jervain Brown is who I, 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 who I would go with.
1: If it's long-term, yeah. If it was just maybe one, two more games, I think Jake could be well, serviceable there.
0: Well, the the, the nanny lookalike came, came on at the end of the game there. Uh, Gaspar, mm. right? So he. So uh, hopefully I think, he's going to be back
1: as
3: well. Yeah,
0: and if he's playing right back, you would Brown at left back. They had him playing in the midfield at training this week for a little bit
1: out in the wing. So, I mean, we'll have a look at that. Talking of Jervain Brown, Another fairly good performance from him tonight. Really like, like the kid, like what he do. Got a chance to catch up with him at training this week. So this is our feature interview for, for this week's show. And he spoke to me of his own accord. Which I, I thought was nice of him. Now I explained what, this what, what time of night was it? <laughs> <laughs> the I explained in in the the last show when my, my chat with Max Cripo. I need to work out a way to do these interviews at training because the social distancing is not ideal. I tried something a little bit different that did not work. I tried to record me asking the questions on my phone and their answers on my voice recorder. That worked well for their answers, but whatever happened on my phone, I sounded like a Dalek. So I've had to re-record everything I asked Jervain Brown for this interview. So if you think the sound's a little bit off, that is why. But here's just me chatting to Jervain just about his move to to America, from Jamaica, going to college, transition to MLS, the Whitecaps, and his season so far. Here's what he had to tell me. Hi, Jervain. Thanks so much for chatting to us today. I guess first thing to, to really ask you, you, you've been with the Whitecaps since the start of the year, getting selected in the first round of the, the super Superdraft. Had quite a few months under your belt now in Major League Soccer. How have you found the transition from going from the college game with USF and playing in the, the leagues over in Jamaica to, to what you've experienced so far in Major League Soccer?
6: I mean, it's, it's a bit different, you know. Um, you've got to be consistent. You know, that, that's, that's the most important thing, consistency. But, you know, as, as I go on, you know, um, I learn from each and every one in the group, you know, that, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't be overthinking certain stuff. You just got to work each and every day and try to improve.
1: When we spoke to you at the start of the year on draft day, when yourself and David Egbo kind of spoke to media after all the first couple of rounds of the draft had wrapped up, you came across excited to be here, excited to be a white cap, also very confident in your own abilities, what you would be able to, to offer this team going forward. Now, we've seen it countless times over the years here in Vancouver, uh, other teams uh, around the league as well, draft picks, that their minutes in that first season. Some guys can come in, get a lot of minutes, some guys don't don't see the pitch at all. I mean I'm pretty sure you were confident that you would get some minutes this year but has the amount of minutes and basically establishing yourself as a as the starter at, at right back for a number of these games has that come a little bit quicker than maybe what even you were expecting
6: I mean um I just don't I, I didn't I didn't get drafted because I, I don't want to come here and play you know I got drafted because the coach believed in me you know and and also, I came here to play. You know, I just don't come here to, to just sit and watch, you know. I came here to work. Obviously, it would have been a challenge, you know, but each and every day I put in the work. I try to improve myself, I try to better myself not not only on the field, but on and off the field, you know. So, that's that's been important, you know, and as I said, as 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 the season go on, I'm I'm, I'm gradually building more confidence, you know, which is good.
1: So, when we spoke to you back in January one of the aspects of your game that you felt you were needing to work on was the attacking side because obviously you you, you've played a lot of good defensive play you've been playing as centre-back you've been playing as right-back over the years but you said you felt that you needed to basically felt you needed to work on your attacking side to to take this jump to to the next level from the matches that that we've seen it's certainly something that, that looks like you've added to the game you've had some really good attacking performances out there for the Whitecaps as well as on the defensive side. Would you say that's been one of the aspects that that you've worked hardest on since joining up with the, the Whitecaps?
6: Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that, that I've been working on, you know, going forward because, you know, as you can see nowadays fullbacks, like the, the modern-day fullbacks, you know, they, they tend to go forward a lot, you know, and that's, that's the side of a game that I, I said I want to really improve on. Defensively, I think I'm, I'm good, but there's still work to do, but my most important um, thing to do now is to just work on my attacking pieces.
1: So as I mentioned there, you can play centre-back, you can play right-back. For the Whitecaps, we've primarily seen you in a right-back role. Looks very comfortable out there, look like you belong at this level. How much right-back have you played in your career? How, had you been primarily a centre-back or was it kind of like splitting time between both positions?
6: I'm More often being a centre-back... through through high school through college you know but I also play right back for the national team and from my club team back home you know but it doesn't matter you know I've been in and out of of the the two positions.
1: Like I say seeing you out on the pitch in MLS you look natural it looks like an easy transition for you to to get into this team to get into this league is that how it's felt for you because you certainly look very comfortable out there
6: I mean yeah, but I still have a little bit of challenge, you know. I wouldn't say um I'm I'm at a a spot that I wanna be. There's always room for improvement, you know, I also also always want to better myself, you know, as I go on.
1: I mean naturally making the move from the college game into the pros, even though you've had that experience in the, the leagues of Jamaica, it is still going to be a, a transition and a, a lot for you to learn. Having had those years playing football locally in Jamaica and in, in the leagues there, what was it that made you decide that you wanted to come over to the US, go to college at the University of South Florida and, and decide to take a little bit of time away from the, the pro game? I mean, it could have been easy for you, I guess, to, to look at going overseas and just playing in a pro league over in Europe or, or wherever. Why was it important for you to to go to college, get that, that education, kind of find your feet in there?
6: Firstly, my mom told me, you know, I had, I had a couple of options, you know, you to go to school or go on trials. You know, my mom told me, go to school and try to put in the work so you could probably get drafted or something. And, you know, your, your mom never go wrong, you know. So I, I tried to listen to her as much as possible, you know. And and I think I made the right right decision to go to college.
1: Being a professional footballer, though, that, that was clearly... What you you solely had in mind that, that you were wanting to do?
6: Yeah, that's, that was clearly my intention.
1: So when did you first know that you had what it took to, to be a pro footballer, and to to make it in the pro game?
6: When I was at the age of fifteen, first got when I first got called for the national team, going up against all those big guys that plays in England and also playing in MLS, you know, fighting for my spot. That's when I realized that you know I really have a shot at this if it, if I stay focused, you know, and try to do the little stuff that's necessary.
1: Now, talking of Jamaica, I'm sure you were avidly watching Jamaica's performance and matches at the Gold Cup. You had been named on the provisional roster for the the Gold Cup and you have played at the senior level for your country in the past. What did you make of Jamaica's performance in that tournament and the the crop of clearly talented young guys like yourself that are, are coming through Jamaican football just now?
6: I mean, we have good players, you know, but the team chemistry is not there. You know, we don't we don't have enough enough cams so the team could build together. It's just individual things, you know. But we have great players. But I really I really don't want to want to talk about that right now. You know, I'm just focusing on on, on the caps right now.
1: So back talking white caps now. You made your MLS debut against Sporting Kansas City in the match down there. How special was that moment for you and and what are your kind of personal memories of of that debut?
6: It was a great moment, you know, but the coach told me that just go out there and and, and, and do your thing. Not worry about the score that much, you know, and that's what that was my my, my intention, you know, just to go out there and, and, and just finish the game as strong as possible.
1: So we know when we were on a, a call with Mark the, the other week that you brought him some some jerk chicken for it. That looked absolutely delicious. He said it was. You top-notch cook in the
6: kitchen? Yeah, I'm, I'm not the best of cook, but I could make a couple of Jamaican stuff, you know. I could make jerk chicken, curry chicken, brownstreet chicken, fried chicken. You know, I could make a mo- couple more stuff, but it's not, not. I didn't learn from my mom. It's just natural, it comes naturally.
1: <laughs> well, Mark did say that he would get you to make it for us at, at training one day, so no pressure on you, but we are all looking forward to it. We're also looking forward to, to seeing you play some more games for the Whitecaps. Been a great start to your Whitecaps career. Thank you for, for chatting to us today, and yeah, all the best, Jervain. We'll see you in the pitch again soon. Football is the game
6: today Football is the best game I would say Football is the game today, the game to play.
1: Javain Brown there, happy to be here in Vancouver, doing well. Definitely one of our brightest draft picks for for many, many a season, and not even taken first in the draft either. So looking forward to seeing his development here at the club. Keeping on the defensive theme. We talked about Florian Jungwirth being here now. Ranko, mixed performance on that first goal. I touched on it there. Would you consider at any point, and I know it's been disastrous, going to three at the back, putting Jungwirth in there beside Ranko and Godoy? No, nope, Zach's firmly shaking his head there. Great for the podcast. No one likes that idea at all. Uh, Ooh, I, I, no. I
3: think you could put Flo in the, in the midfield. And that would be a better option because then he. I mean,
1: I, I said I'd wanted Andy Rose to do that. So, I mean, yeah, he would yeah. fit that bill as
0: well. So. Would would Ranko be better in the midfield than Flo? I don't know. I'm not sure.
1: I don't know. I mean, it, it was very interesting at the start of that second half seeing Ranko and Godoy tearing forward on a couple of attacks. It's like that's what you want your center backs to be doing when you're down a goal. But like Godoy looks very comfortable moving that ball forward.
3: Well, he's got that right back ability, right?
1: Yeah. Well, let's hope the Whitecaps have a bounce back uh, ability and, and can get some stuff done. Interesting lineup selections. We'll touch about what they might be for the San Jose game shortly, but I want to do our MLS roundup for the week. And we're just going to do the West. I'm going to rattle through a, a lot of this because obviously it's been a long show so far. Eight Western teams were in action on Saturday across four matches. First up was Minnesota, they had a 2 0 win over Houston. Fairly comfortable win for the Loons in the end. Robert Lode fired them ahead 40 minutes in after pouncing on a rebound. The keeper spilled a, a really fair shot from Will Trapp from outside the box. Houston hit the bar in the first half, but they were offering very little. Brent Kalman secured the points 90 minutes from time. Nice header off, off a corner. A Good win for Minnesota. The Whitecaps need Houston to not be picking up points. Uh, good result for the Whitecaps. I know it's only midway through the season, but I think we're already at the stage where we are looking at what these other teams do and how it kind of favours the, the Whitecaps. And it was derby day for the two other Texan teams as Austin travelled to Dallas. They couldn't make it back-to-back wins in the Texan Derby, though, going down to a 2-0 scoreline. A lot of Austin fans made the trip. The atmosphere wasn't what I was expecting, though, and, like, the stadium... Seemed quite sparse. i believed that Dallas were up to full capacity. It is concerning, I guess, all those fans making the travel because Texas, we talked about COVID in the last part, they've been registering yeah. 20 plus thousand cases yeah, a day.
2: That's bad.
1: So maybe that is keeping some folk away from stadiums. But you think about what Austin's crammed in. And obviously, Austin's a lot more liberal and they've probably got a higher vaccine uptake than some of the rest of Texas. But you do wonder when some of these restrictions might come back into place at MLS stadiums. It was all Dallas in this one. And it was a bit of a disappointing derby match, all, all truth to be, be told. Yeah, when you told me you were watching, I was like, oh, uh, you picked the, the wrong... I know, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was that or Colorado, but I love a derby, as you know. And but Colorado I'd seen had... all the Austin fans traveling, I thought oh, it's going to be electric, and it wasn't.
0: Colorado had Mac making his debut. Yeah. Return of the
1: Mac. I did watch the highlights of that. Dallas's goals, just to round this one up, they came both came in the second half. Ryan Hollingshead and Zach's boy Jesus. He he got the, the second. <laughs> Jesus Ferreira. L- let's talk about Max, Colorado now. Conference leaders, KC, headed to Colorado. The teams played out a no nil draw, but it was a very entertaining no nil draw. I, I enjoyed the highlights from this one. This is my wife's favourite stadium. I think it is. I heard her talking to her friend about how much she loved Dick, so I thought, oh, big Colorado Rapids fan. The most notable thing from this match, of course, was Mac making his Rapids debut. And he he did well. He looks weird in a green and white uniform, but maybe he'll move to Celtic. Maybe that's going to be the European move that that he gets. Uh, his face away strip at the moment is green and white as well, so just pitch that out there.
0: Uh, we try can-
3: Our- Sorry, have I ever mentioned to you guys what the Colorado Avalanche Ice Hockey Stadium is named?
0: I don't think so, and I don't know.
3: It's called Ball Arena.
0: <laughs> so you either go to Dick's Sporting Good Park, Ball Arena, or Mile High Stadium? Is- yeah. yeah.
1: Fantastic. I obviously moved to the wrong place. Colorado, here I come. I don't... I couldn't live somewhere that's not by the water. I've got to be honest. It's like I like my ocean. I've always been no more than twenty minutes away from the sea or the ocean. So
0: I don't know how but
3: folk the, do that. But they got rapids there. It's not the sea or the ocean.
0: Can we? Have, I know we talked about this last week. But does Mac have one year left on his MLS deal? I think so. I think this is because if he is really planning on leaving and they're going to get nothing for them, that million is starting to feel crazy. There must be well, some I, I, more.
1: I th- he signed an extension.
0: By by one year, he'll be here next season is what I uh-huh. mean. It. But still, a million for a year and a half? Guarante- that feels weird.
3: Well, unless they yeah. have a thing where they can see that they're going to deal him off. Remember, we mentioned it, yeah. that it mean, might if be he has more a bench. good
1: season, they can sell him yeah. either winter, yeah. they can sell him in the summer.
3: But again, LAFC, LAFC is more interested in GAM because it helps them keep the salary cap down, whereas yeah, Colorado will uh, get them more real the money, cash. Does it yeah, only three, get to 750... Exactly. And they're not going to spend that on anything either. Yeah. Like Good Colorado points.
1: will be disappointed they didn't get the victory in this one because they yes. they were the far better team. It was that it was that poor performance by KC. But I mean, I, if if points are going to get picked up by the teams above the White Caps, at least make it one. So I mean that's fine. Colorado though, I, it's too early to say they've secured a playoff spot. But I mean they look fairly comfortable the way they've been playing, the additions that they've made. They're an exciting
0: team to watch.
3: Yeah, Johnny couldn't get uh... it on at Dick's Sporting Club. No. <laughs>
0: was was Nico on the bench? I, guess. I was just going to I don't, remember, ask why, I don't know plan? that. I didn't look at the I didn't, I didn't the bench. see if he
1: came on, but yeah. You kind of wonder if his days might be a bit numbered there, the, going forward, but I don't know. Saturday's action wrapped up with Portland winning a five-goal thriller with RSL at Piggy Park. Aspria fired the Timbers ahead from the spot 10 minutes in. VAR stepped in to... To give that penalty. I kinda of feel it was a little harsh, but by the letter of the law, I mean it, it was a penalty. Jimmy Chara doubled the lead in the twenty-ninth minute, nice finish after great build up passing movement but by the timbers. Albert Rushnak pulled one back for the visitors five minutes before half time. He should never have been allowed to, to put that goal away, but Felipe Mora. Four goals in his last five matches now for for Portland. Beautiful goal, just past the hour mark. Beat the offside track. Collected a pass. Spun around. Finished Mm. with a plum. Put the Timbers 3-1 up. That was one of my goals of the weekend from from the games that I saw. I haven't had a chance to see the Eastern games yet. And the cry latch was released, but only with 10 minutes to go. He was on for the whole game, but he only scored
0: with ten minutes to go to
1: to make it an interesting ending. But the Timbers held on for the the three points.
0: Well, and it had the little spice at the end where Yumi's brother, Diego, got sent off for a very very easy second yellow to give as he yeah. stomped on the guy's ankle.
1: Yeah, when I mean, there's no malice in it; He just went over the ball. Right, but right. it Or stomp is not the right
0: term. Sorry. Yeah,
1: it, it was a it was a clear clear yeah. sending off. Timbers keeper, Ivačič couple of big saves in this one he's been a bit ropey so far but he wasn't bad in this only game on sunday in the west aside from the white caps was the californian derby one of many san jose hosted lafc watched the highlights just before came on to record this now the the quakes are now unbeaten in seven Mm -hmm. they've suddenly hit their stride uh only two wins in there but it's still picking up points every single week. They're climbing the table. Yule hit the bar for them early on. Then Nathan scored 11 minutes in. We wondered where Mr Whitecaps was. Playing for San Jose. Put them 1-0 up. It looked like Espinosa had scored initially, and I was going to say, there's no way that free kick should ever have found a way into the back of the net, but Nathan got a, a little touch on it. Quakes made it 2-0 in the 29th minute. Javier Lopez. Yule scored an own goal to make it 2-1. And then, no more score in the second half. LAFC, struggling to find form just now. Mm-hmm. They've lost Segura, so defensively they're kind of struggling. Um, I don't know. It's, we talk about bold predictions and stuff. I'll throw this one out to you. If LAFC don't make the postseason, does Bob Bradley keep his job? I say no.
2: Hmm? Nah. I think
1: I would be bold to get rid of him, I know, his storied career, but it's just not working for him. How many seasons has it been now? with This would be three, at least, maybe four.
0: The, The big concern is, I think this is year three, I might be wrong, but is, like we talked, oh, maybe it's more than three. Because... The, the, oh, they, it will be because
1: this is mds's third season here and he had a right, season right uh, right, right, so, yeah, here, right season so, four.
0: so part of what part of what you're seeing although they've compensated for it is that they no longer get the new the new mls club gam money right mm-hmm. and so you you have you have less gam um less money to deal with and work with and stuff so i think that's one of the issues that they faced although again they they're doing well to try, to to generate that on their on their own um I think you got to stay with him. I I, I don't think, I think you, I, I guess. Sorry, it depends on what his contract situation is. If he's out of contract, maybe then that's okay. That, that's I would think okay. it would be
1: a four-year deal. Seems like it would be the the max they would have given him, surely.
0: Or, but did he get renewed earlier? Like I, mm. I haven't heard news of that, but uh, I, I think you. I think they ride him longer than they have than, to spend on their
1: defense. We keep saying this. True. It's yeah. like, man, it's like, yeah, you've I,
0: got they, all this money, at
1: least get a defender
0: in. They still feel haunted by, like, the the, the Walker Zimmerman departure.
1: Yeah. It's not
3: that's... really a haunting when you're the one that did it.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that,
0: that's very true.
1: But those results leave an interesting table. Seattle had a bye week. So, looking at they, how the standings
0: are. They needed The Flanders needed it. Oh yeah, <laughs> They were they, they in did. a bad, bad run.
1: KC extend the lead at the top, 18 games played, 34 points. They've got a one-point lead over Seattle, two-point lead over the Galaxy. If the Galaxy had won tonight, they, I mean, looking at the goal differences, the Galaxy would have been second if they, if they got the win against the, the Whitecaps tonight. Colorado, third, 28 points from 16 games, so they've got two games in hand. Win both of them and you're tied with Sporting Kansas City. They're, they're looking good, they're looking comfortable. Minnesota as well, they find found a rich vein of form. I like what they play. 17 games played, 26 points. I think that top five, uh, maybe not set in those positions, but those top five should be playoff bound, barring a collapse late on from one of those teams, which is certainly possible. Then you're looking at Portland in sixth. 23 points from 17 games. LAFC, 23 points in seven. They've played 18. You've got Salt Lake on 21 from 17. Dallas on 21 from 18. San Jose on 21 from 18. Houston on 18 from 18. And then Austin and the Whitecaps, 16 from 17 games played. Tight. And, of course, Whitecaps heading to Austin a week on Wednesday. Big, big game. They've got to win that. That, that is a must-win it's...
2: game. These two next games are going to be
1: huge. I was going Even to say, San is San Jose a must-win game? I mean, I know August's yeah. early to talk about must-win games, but it feels like Austin definitely is. San Jose, I'm 75% saying it's a well, must-win
3: I'm, game. I, I'm thinking that San Jose is, is a better potential win because it's more like the environment they're used to playing on, on yeah, the Yeah, but I mean, they're in this going Austin, you're yeah. Going with Austin, you're going to deal with the heat. I think the San Jose <laughs> game... Their form is like they they're drawing games similar to the White caps. They can easily take advantage of that too. The issue is right now injuries is going to be the big concern, and whether yeah. they can put put a full lineup on that on that day
1: I mean if they lose against San Jose on Friday, they're eight points behind them with a game in hand, but eight points with so many teams above you because obviously the white caps are still yeah. bottom off af- after that with the tiebreakers that's a lot to make up Austin for me. I know the temperature and everything. They're very beatable, albeit with a great atmosphere. Mark told me on Friday when we were speaking about this and wrote a little piece about it on AFTN today, so you can check that out if you you want to read what he said. He says the team have no fear going into all these away games, and in part, it's because they've been on the road for so long that it's like, yeah, we can go, but they have to follow the blueprint of what they did by taking the game to the other teams and a big part of that has been Christian Dahomey so hopefully he is back for these two games I mean it's all speculation just now because we don't know if he's back he's clearly going to be back in the starting lineup. Cava Kava have to speculate he might not be good to go on Friday so you're probably looking at Brian White leading the line hopefully with Dahomey and Saicero either side of him midfield what would you do there considering the performance of of Caio tonight?
3: Well, I would essentially, um, for this whole lineup, I'm just going to go over the whole lineup, you put the most healthiest players closest to their natural positions. Uh That's what you essentially have to do at this point. uh, Wherever I don't know who's injured and who's not, so it's really just a point flip for me right now. Yeah. I mean,
1: what about midfield for you, Zach? Who do you go with? Yeah, I mean... I'm probably forgetting all. So Baldy's back, right? It Was suspended. Baldy's back. Yep. He was actually at the end of twenty-three game today, so it's nice that he came out to watch that. Oh, that
0: is nice. Um, yeah, I, I still want to see more of a, a Wusu before. All I up... liked what I saw from him when yeah. he came on. Yeah, he looked hungry.
1: Now, interestingly, uh, we've all been saying, "Oh, where's he been?" And Joe Deasy posed the question what does he have to do to to get minutes? And I said, has to be Christmas for Jingles to to go all the way. (laughs) But he looked good when he came on. When Mark said post-game, he said, oh, he's finally fully recovered from the injury that he had. Oh. So he's obviously not been full to go, which is why we've not seen him. If he's good to go, I start him, Bikel, and probably Baldy. But I think Tiber might have done enough to get the
0: start, even though I'd prefer not to. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would like th- it, well, those, those three. Although well, I wouldn't push a
3: in there that quickly if he's just finally getting fit. Like well, but he's easily. had like months of getting ready. Yeah, like, but game fitness. I'm oh, talking about yeah. game fitness. Yeah. Will he be yeah, able to go
0: for then he
1: could go 16 and you bring Ryan on for half an yeah, hour?
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: that would be I like that. But but, but Bickel and Baldy sounds sounds kind of fun. I I, I really I, I think Russell's got to be a got to be a guy off the bench. Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I you're right. They might do it another way. But I know this is just today was a Sunday was an awful performance for Caillou. But what what is what do you see his role like long term? Because before earlier I would have said it's like uh, a destroyer like a Bickle or a Wosu or Baldy maybe with. Caillou and Gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, yeah. I, I, that for me that would be the ideal three, and I think we'll uh, see the best of those three next
3: season. The thing is, I, I don't have an issue. Like, I think we can very much see Caillou on the field. I think he might have, uh, you know, sent, been sent a message, but being getting pulled, uh, like getting yeah. substituted off at halftime, and maybe he picks it up and he actually like gets back on the pitch and does the job. So I can easily see him on the pitch just because he got you know substituted off at halftime doesn't mean he's done. He's going to get benched for the next
0: game. I, yeah, I agree so, with you. I, I, hope, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's it, him not being done is the case. Remember, he has had a little bit of a, a,
1: a niggle as well for for some of these games, and he is still finding his, his feet in, in the league. I mean, the other option, Naveed, is you put somebody like Andy Rose into the DM role, maybe even Youngworth.
2: I'm just literally just looking at consistency. I'm looking at those nine home games. I really hope MDS starts like keeping whoever those three are. Yeah, that's what he's going to want. Point, yeah, that would be ideal because yeah, it hasn't been the case for the whole season so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he has a lot of options, but I think consistency is going to help.
1: Well, we'll see how things go. Not sure when we're going to do a record for the next weekend show. We might. Do it Saturday, but we'll, we'll keep you posted. Check our social media for that. That is it for the White Caps chat. That is it for the MLS chat. That is it for the Men's Soccer chat for this episode of the show. We're going to be back talking about the Golden Girls, the Canadian Women's National Team, making Canada proud once again. We'll be back chatting about that and the future of women's soccer in this country after this.
5: This is Atiba Hutchinson, and you're listening to the AFTN Show.
8: Taking you nowhere Angel Come, baby Look at that sky, life's begun Nights are warm and the days are young Come, brother, baby Lose my feet, they lost, that's all
1: Welcome back to the final part of this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And we've gone for an old classic to kick off this part from 1976, the legendary David Bowie, Golden Years, from his Station to Station album, and of course I've played that for the Golden Girls, the Canadian Women's National Team are Olympic champions. How good does it feel to say that? Did you ever think it was going to happen, Zach? After all the close calls and heartbreak of the the last couple of Olympics.
0: I mean, I, I thought for sure in this Olympics they'd get past Brazil, but when you come up against such a such an old nemesis with such a horrendous record against them uh, in the, in the semifinals, the way they did against the States, I, yep. I, you know, that that in of itself was like winning 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 the, the gold yeah, yeah exactly and coming at coming at sweden i thought okay they're gonna lose to sweden they're gonna get yeah. silver. it's gonna be you know a step forward but i mean yeah i mean I, I i wish we were talking about this at the beginning of the show because i know this is a white cap centric show but there's, <laughs> there's a lot of white caps content in this in this women's national team uh, There, there back is back in yes. the day and from now but um no i mean it, it's it's absolutely phenomenal what they did like I'm I was sitting here in my living room by myself with everyone else sleeping in the house watching the game. I know we text uh, messaging a little bit. but like it, it's it's crazy. like I, I like I like I, I was I was not weeping might be a strong term, but like I was in tears. like it was it was it was so joyful. it was such a joyful moment. Um, and it's it's such an amazing accomplishment. And I appreciate a lot about how they did did, did it. Like there, there's, I don't know, there's so many different things to talk about in my opinion. But like one of the things is, is the game, the women's game in Canada, whose women's game has come so far, and like even if you so if you go back to the World Cup here, even since then, it's drastic might be a too too heavy of a word, but it's significantly improved since mm-hmm. then. Like the well, way yeah, because there,
1: like, there was a worry in certain quarters, I was one of them, that the rest of the world were kind of catching up with the Canadian programme. And some countries may like England is a great example, maybe taking over. Taking yeah. over those spots.
0: Well that's the thing though. The way they play they play football, right? Like they they like I know things didn't always come off and they still use a, a long ball here and there to affect to to stretch the field, to stretch the defense, to to use their quick players' you know abilities to get behind and stuff like that. But the way that they passed, the way that they a lot of time one-touch passing, uh, the way they played out of pressure sometimes, or especially against Brazil, I think it was was not really good for my heart. I don't think. Um, but uh, I don't know the just the quality that they played at. Now, obviously, this team, especially in the knockout round, was not great on the offensive side of things, right? Yeah. Like correct, yeah, correct defensively me if I'm wrong, superb. Defensively as, amazing. As they
1: were in all the warm
0: up games for this. Yeah. But they correct me if I'm wrong, but in the knockout stages of this tournament, we only scored from the penalty spot. Am I not wrong? Am I is that not right? Mm-hmm. It was zero yes. zero against Brazil? Or was zero it
3: against Brazil? <laughs> and one nil against uh the US, that was Jesse Filming goal. And then one nil one one. Um and that was Jesse Fleming penalty yeah, kick as they well. They were
0: all from the penalties. <laughs> Every single goal from
3: the penalty so. But they oh, had they had chances oh, um, they did. in all those games. And then obviously, you know, the you're you're calling penalty shots, those those penalty kicks came from the def- being able to get behind the defense and earning the penalty. So oh,
0: yeah. The two defense. So they- they- the two the two penalties they created especially the Sinclair one in the final i thought was yeah came from good attacking play mm-hmm.
3: and the, you got to think of it too that during that whole knockout stage they only gave up one goal to sweden they never gave a goal to us and they didn't yeah. give up a goal to brazil
0: yeah and i haven't read i haven't read much but i think there must be a, a significant well they didn't play well, us in the
3: I'm talking about
0: the knockout stage. In the semifinal in that game, I'm sure there's lots of Americans who feel that the the PK given it for for the foul on Deanne Rose was not a penalty. But but it doesn't matter. The referees did the var the bar. referees always right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And and the fact is they converted. They converted. Yeah.
3: I I would hate to be a Minnesota United and US women's national team fan in the same way this week. That'd
1: have been tough. I mean, what about you, Steve? Where where uh, did you watch the game? What what did it mean to you to, to um, see them finally win that gold? Yeah,
3: I was watching it while working. I even didn't answer a few calls in order to keep watching the game. You want to admit that it, on our show? <laughs> nobody listens to the show with that work. At work. Um, but um, you'll soon find out tomorrow. Yeah, uh, but the um, uh, it, it, I, I I had to watch. I did have to watch it on a little bit of a tape delay because I got interrupted a few times because of work. Uh, but just unbelievable. Like I, I myself was kind of getting very emotional over the win. Um, I always do whenever somebody from Canada wins something huge. Um, and, and for me, the I, 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 first thing that I went back to was, uh, you, Michael, you were there when we were interviewing them prior to the World Cup here. Uh, when we had the, the whole like carousel of people coming in and having yeah. chats with them, and Jessie Fleming was one of the people we spoke to. I think she was like fifteen at the time. 15. Yeah, I and both of us about were nervous. That. Both of us were nervous about talking to her because she was 15, 16. Like sixteen. Two like, old men sitting chatting. Yeah, to a exactly. Gentleman. It was just odd to be like. Uh, luckily, I, I think I still didn't. I have that much white hair back then, so I was okay. I wasn't that. old. I didn't feel that old. Like, uh, what's but, your
1: favorite jam, Jesse?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um and so and so it was it was just odd. Like I I like I know I, 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 you know talking to like Sophie Schmidt. I know she didn't I don't think she played at all. She did, no, she she played a little bit here and there. She was came on as a sub, I think. Like I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I might have missed the part. I think she yet. played
0: in the Great Britain game, I think.
3: Okay. And, and then you got Aaron McLeod there as well. I had a great I remember having a great chat with her, even mm. though she didn't play, I know she didn't play a minute at all but she was definitely somebody that was, that's been carrying the flag. And then you got, you know, the the coolest thing was Karina LeBlanc is the one in the studio and she's emotional about it. It was just like, uh, just through the generations. And the biggest thing, like we mentioned about it, like other, you know, Olympics, you know, the 2012 one where they won the bronze. And then, you know, the point people made that, you know, Julia Grosso was the one that said, you know, I want to be there too. And she's the one that scores the, Winning penalty kick from Vancouver. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that w- that was, that White was Cap. wonderful. And then you know, uh, you know, kind of following the Hutem- uh the Hutemma family, and then um, Jordan gets on the pitch. Somebody who wasn't even on the team, and that's another thing about Sophie Schmidt wasn't going to be on the team yeah. until they expanded yes. the rosters. <laughs> so huh. it was fantastic. You know, that potentially they could have missed her on the on the field. So oh, so many different storylines in there. Stephanie Labe who had to. Sit behind Karina LeBlanc and um, Aaron McLeod for so many years, and then finally got her chance to shine in and, and yeah. played a huge part oh. in all those games and everything like that. So you know, just too many storylines to for one podcast, let alone one part
2: of a podcast. All right. All
1: right. All right. And I know folk will say, "Why did you not lead with it? It was the main story of the week." But, yeah. It's because we are a cap centric podcast, but I'm saving the best to last.
3: That and was plus, the main reason. I would have been, I'm going to be an emotional wreck after talking about this. So you don't want me talking about this right off the bat anyways. So, so Navid, the German Canadian that
1: lives in the U.S., <laughs> how did you watch the game? Did you, get, I, did you watch no, it live?
2: I was watching it live and amazing. I mean, accomplishment, super proud of the girls. Really, they rock. Um, Especially happy for uh, two of the people on their staff, uh, Adam Day. He's yes. actually part of the staff, so really happy for him. I know him. He, he
1: left FC Tigers to, right. to go
2: and do this. And it all worked out. <laughs> Good decision, yeah. And I, I think Steve maybe knows uh Jasmine Lunder. She She's a performance analyst. She played for UBC, so yeah, there's like a UBC I, connection. I remember
1: Turner last year at right. UBC. So she super... could have gone on and, oh, and we'll, we'll was talk about player. the lack of opportunities. She yeah. was the ideal person oh, that's come through was... locally that could have gone on if there'd been stuff to play. Exactly.
2: Here. Exactly. So super happy for both of them. And man, the penalties, ups and downs, like emotions. Like, yeah, That was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. But amazing accomplishments. Super proud of them.
0: Yeah. Schmidt Schmidt played against Great Britain. Oh, okay. I think everyone uh, played except for, except for Aaron.
3: Hmm. um but the uh, the other thing is is they gotta stop this um this like whole thing about um they're such an inspiration for girls across canada because they're an inspiration for everybody let's not sell them oh 100 percent the
1: the amount of guys that's been trying to buy the women's strip and they can't because it's not done in a men's cup And folk are like, well, you can buy the men's kit and just get a woman's name on it. And it's like, it's a different kit.
3: Yeah, it's like they're like the the, they've been inspiring for a lot of years. Like um, I guarantee you, if you ask some players down the road, um, like in the Julia Grosso time range, they're going to be saying they were inspired by the women. And, and and, And you need to you need to do that. So that's the one thing that you know give them the respect they deserve and tell them that they're actually an inspiration for both men and women across Canada
1: yeah I I'll be honest I thought Sweden were gonna win I I didn't think and then it went to one nil because I, I didn't get up at five that's my other full disclosure so I was watching it on delay it went to one nil, and I was like ah oh, that's it so then I just fast forwarded and then it got to 1-1. It's like, oh, I have to watch this again. And I sensed there wasn't going to be another go in normal time. So I fast-forwarded to the end of that. And I couldn't sit through extra time. I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to fast-forward. I think this is going to be penalties. <laughs> it did. And then I watched penalties. And oh, man. I, I love a penalty shootout. And it always takes me back to when I was a little boy watching them with my mum because my mum got so excited. It doesn't didn't matter who it was. If it was a penalty shootout on the telly, she just loved watching it. She was just so excited with that. And I'm the same. It's like, it's a crappy way to decide a gold medal game.
0: Unless you're drama. the
1: winning team. Well, if, if you win a team, it's <laughs> still crappy though. I've got, I, I genuinely think that. I don't know what the solution is because gold and gold didn't work either. I think those two teams could have been playing for a long time to have got a golden and gold the way th- mm-hmm. things were going. They were both shutting up shop there towards the end.
3: But I think Canada Canada had more of the chances, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Some of those penalties,
1: though, were awful. And when they uh, missed the three in a row, I was like, oh, man. But, I mean, Sweden threw that away in the shootout. Let's be totally honest here. That was in their control. And nerves plays a part in it. But Labbe, absolutely tremendous. I loved, I don't know if you guys picked up
3: on this, But she was was staring down the players, She was like
1: smiling
3: and just like so happy. And and she wouldn't, she made them like get the ball. She made them walk extra long to get the ball as well. She wouldn't even help them get the ball at all or or move it up.
1: She's a great, great woman. She was involved with Calgary Foothills. She wanted to play in the USL and they wouldn't let her because it was a woman playing the man's thing. And it's like, that could have been a groundbreaking thing. I mean, it, it was tremendous. Christine Sinclair finally getting a gold medal
3: that's the biggest that's
1: yeah. the what they did at her her center in burnaby by putting the medal on the outside right. beautiful yeah. i hope that's there forever i'm imagining it is and i mean i haven't spoken a lot to her over the years because she's obviously the the woman that's in demand and i'm like i'll i'll go for the ones that's not because you're going to get more time with them but whenever I've spoken to her she's been great. She's given really thoughtful answers. And she's carried this program for years. And like when she missed that penalty in the the shootout in the yes, quarterfinals result. it was like heartbreaking because if she was the one that cost them you know she'd never forgiven herself. And then you saw that I can't remember who it was. Might have been Jesse Fleming, but someone mouthed after, "We've got you." Uh, when they won it, I'm like tearing up just like talking about this, but like it meant so much for her to win it. Jesse Fleming, as Steve said, nerves are steel. <laughs> Take those penalties, and I mean you saw it in the shootout. <sighs> like nerves can certainly get to you. There's a lot of folk in that shootout that normally
0: in a penalty would have would have scored. Do you, you think? Yeah, she. I mean, the Swedish keeper had obviously seen her penalty against the U.S., so yeah. so went that way. She went the opposite way, and then in the shootout, I honestly thought she was going to go down the middle. And I think the keeper thought that a little bit, and the keeper stayed central but was leaning to the to her left, and she went the other way, which was yeah, the composure is something else. Yeah,
1: Julia Gross's winning kick, though. I I thought she'd put it over. I've got to say, <laughs> I didn't think it had gone in. But if you haven't seen it, check out the reaction on Twitter from our teammates down in Texas at the university watching it. Because uh, they're, they're chatting, waiting for the next kick to get taken. And then it flashes up. That's her that's taking it. And they're all like, ah! <laughs> and then they're watching it and then she scores and the place just goes absolutely crazy. It just erupts. It's just wonderful. And then the, the women sharing a lot of the videos after the game from the locker room. Tremendous. Yeah. The shit thing about it is we've not been able to speak to any of them during the competition. Because if mm-hmm. you're not an IOC accredited journalist, you, you can't speak to them. And Canada Soccer didn't do any separate calls. US Soccer did for their team. So that, that was disappointing. I thought they might have done something this weekend to put some of them on, on the phone to us, but but they haven't. So hopefully they do a big thing when they come back. Of course, the women are from all over the country, all over well, the
3: world, so
1: we'll see what they hear- do.
3: From what I hear, they are going to do some kind of victory tour or something oh, like that. Oh, they have to. So, play yeah, some so games, if nothing else. Even yeah, play so against I think...
1: each other a live aside. a side. It's like, you'd, you'd <laughs> yeah. watch that. Yeah. But yeah, fantastic stuff. But I want to talk about the other big thing that comes out of this. What What does this do for the women's game? Mm. Of, like Canada Soccer in general, great, as Steve mentioned, but the women's game in particular, just to round off this this show... There was all this talk during the World Cup about the legacy of the World Cup, what it was going to do with the World Cup being here, what it was going to do for the women's game, the the inspiration that it was going to be to young girls coming through seeing this. And it has, to an extent, done that. To an extent. Because six years later, there's still not a professional women's club in Canada. There's not a professional league. There's things in the works. The CPL have talked about that they want to do that in the future, but they still have to get their own like men's side of it up and running. And it's, there's been
0: teething problems there. Yeah. I think, I think that might come after they recognize the men's player union or. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So what we 2035, we could be looking at at this rate. I
0: don't know. Well, I I mean the CPL, like it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like they're, Hey, one day we'd like to have relegation and promotion. They say it because I, I do think they believe it, but they also know that it helps them to say that with the soccer purists or the football purists. Yes. And it is, I think it's a very similar with this. We want to have a women's league as a part of our setup.
1: Well, it's the big elephant in the room, and it's the it's the shocking elephant in the room that there's not even a pro team in Canada. I mean, way back when I first moved over, there was pro teams in Canada. Whitecaps had theirs. Ottawa had theirs. How have you gone backwards in the ten
0: to fifteen years? Well, I mean, behind the scenes, and more recently, in the public, in the public, there's, I think, been understandable reasons why some of those teams no longer
1: well, exist. Yeah, I'd, I'd taken taken that out of it. Obviously, Now, the, the new proposed BC League One, the mandate was any team that joins that has to have a women's program has to have a women's team there's going to be a women's division so the white caps are in that league so the white caps it's going to be the rex elite i I would imagine unless they they form a, a new team specifically for this but it's a semi pro league um so they they'll have that tss rovers all have that victoria Highlanders all have that the, the other teams that that are in it that I I I won't name as well. There was meant to be a proposed Canadian National League. That was one of the things for that. That doesn't look like it's going to get the the go-ahead and sanctioning from Canada soccer just now. Christine Sinclair, after winning gold, I want to read you her quote, as most of you will have seen this. She said, I hope that we'll see some investment in the women's game. I think it's time Canada gets a professional league or some professional teams. And if a gold medal... And three Olympic medals doesn't do that. Nothing will, so I think it's time for Canada to step up.
3: No, yeah, uh, yeah. I want to mention that the the thing is is, the federation definitely should help set up the league, but they can't be financially responsible. They the thing is, yep. we're gonna have they're gonna to have to find owners who are willing to invest money into the league. Yeah, even like this something like the CPL, that's not gonna fly unless you get like. Six, eight people to uh, to bring out the money because it is going to be a, even the CPL right now is a money loser right now well, until that, that's, you that's develop exactly it that's exactly
1: it and it's and, like we all want it and let's, let's be let's be totally realistic here and I, I've had chats since the women won the gold with somebody that is involved in the women's game I'll just leave it at that uh, somebody who has spent money making sure that there, there's women teams and, and various things. And it wasn't Greg Carefoot. <laughs> but they've lost a fortune by having women's teams. And how many people are out there that are philanthropic enough to put that kind of money in to make a sustainable pro selection of pro teams or a pro league? You, you need somebody... As with the CPL that's prepared to lose money in the early days of this league, and there's going to be folk listening to this going, how do you know they'll lose money? Trust me, they will lose money. I've spoken to somebody that's got successful teams and they've lost a fortune. Yes, there's interest. Is there interest when it's not a World Cup year? Is there interest when it's not an Olympic year? Yeah, there is, but not as much. And it's all about bums on seats, but even that is not sustainable. If you go for a Canada-wide league, the travel is horrendous, the costs are horrendous, the costs are prohibitive. The CPL, just go and speak to some of their owners, they'll tell you that. If they have an NWSL team, the Whitecaps had inquired, and it wasn't because they didn't want to, it was the costs of it. They lost a lot of money on WFC too, they were going to lose even more money on having a women's team, so they walked away from that. They might still be interested... And quickly going round, we'll start with Zach, then Steve then Navid. If there's a pro league in Canada, do you see that as the way forward or is the way forward now to have Canadian teams joining the established NWSL Zach?
0: That's a, a good question. I, I think it's you know one is the quick the quick fix and one is the long term solution. So the quick fix is yeah, just get some teams in the NASL. It's quicker. You can do it quicker. The league's established. They've got broadcast
1: uh, deals. It's yeah,
8: shown all, that, worldwide. all that kind of stuff. The
0: the, the long term, what I believe is a long term better answer, which doesn't, um, which may not satiate the desires of of the of the current players, um, is is to develop an actual league in the country. And we and we had conversations around this, uh, talking about the CPL back in the day. Uh, I remember talking with like Jeff Tinker about this. You know, this guy who usually sits in the room silently when we do podcasts um, about how your your two options are top up or grassroots up. And the CPL, for a number of good reasons, chose to go you know top down, right? But I think I think with the women's game. It might be a better long-term viable option to do, like grassroots up, and to, like you're saying, like build or like you sort of I think we're hinting at build a, a regional leagues that can yeah. build up into a national into a national league in the long term with a very clear and well thought out plan on a, you know, logistical side and obviously on a financial side. I mean, the th-
1: Steve, the thing- I was going to say, what do you think of that? But also. Like factoring the fact that if you have regional, is the quality there? Do you attract the Christine Sinclair's, the national team players?
3: Well, you know, you're not going to attract, and I don't even know if you're going to attract them to a national league, uh, because the European leagues, the women's leagues, are very financially viable for them. They're going to yeah, make way more money,
1: paying a lot more. <laughs>
3: Yeah, they're going to make more money in Europe at this point. So uh, you wouldn't be able to bring some of the players back from Europe if you had a National League. Um, the thing is, is right now, uh, I agree with Zach that th- having a couple teams, um, maybe one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, um, to go in with the NWSL, that would be a better option. And then with the, with the caveat that those teams, when there is a Canadian League ready to go, they have to come back to the Canadian League. They cannot be. This is like a a thing where they can establish the two top teams. And then um, through those regional uh, leagues um, that you're talking about, you know, if you do one in in BC, like in BC and Ontario and Quebec, one in the prairies, maybe across the whole prairies or something like that, you can build areas and clubs which can be essentially promoted. Uh, like the stronger clubs in those things gets promoted up to that national team. So you already have a well-established program in there. And so that, that's, that's where I would say that you would go with uh, initially. And so you have those, essentially you'll have those two teams coming back from the NWSL and then you'll have strong, um, you know, teams that can play with those teams in, in the full national league. I think that that's the, Best way to go. And I, I would say even that would have been a really good way to do CPL as well, hmm. um, that you do it that way. But CPL, you have a lot of Canadians out there playing in lower leagues, and you also have a lot of um international players still out there. The yeah. women's leagues, they might not have a vast talent pool right now, and that's what you got to build up with that regional league. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow it's a long term. They need to look long term instead of having, because the short term should have happened a long time ago. Honestly. I mean, yes. I, yeah. yeah. The, Absolutely. 2015, after 2015, there should have been two teams ready to go in NWSL. But unfortunately, if you don't find the owners again, the people that were willing to invest their money knowing that they might not get it back, you're not going to get a team or a league going
2: on. See the one, yeah. Sorry. But, the one concern that I have, though, is I mean, you had all these opportunities you had the women's world cup here you have the success of the team i mean if you still can gain int- like get the interest from people to invest into this like when then like pretty much what christine Sinclair said yep. like when i mean what's what is what is holding like, back or like what is it i guess there's just not enough interest to be honest and like, the, actually
3: and the, the problem is is people at the top the people with the money they
2: yeah. clearly
3: don't have the confidence that this league right. league can in. The though you get in a, in, a, in nwsl we've had so many teams that fold in the women's yes. teams right so you already have that happening and there.
1: the other women's leagues around right, north america as well some of the leagues have folded
3: the 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 uh, hockey ice hockey, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most popular sport in Canada, and there is no women's league there, and there are plenty of talent to go around in there. So that's one example of something that is you know should work but isn't working. The one league that's been successful is the uh, WNBA, and mm-hmm. why are they successful? Because they have the backing of the men's league. There, as Mm -hmm. like, uh, and even in Europe, Europe, you have men's leagues that are supporting the women's league. So, if my feeling is that if this is going to happen, you have to have strong men's teams that can support them. And before, I remember seeing—I can't remember what South American country it was. Um, It could be Colombia, it could be another country where they showed videos of um, they showed videos of a men's team and uh, you know the crowd there, and the, the women's team had nobody there at all. So they basically made a mandate where they had to make it as like one. So they basically kind of stripped the shirts where you play half half the sh- half the badge was on the men's kit and half the badge was on the women's kit, kind of putting them together and making it one cohesive like group. Like you have the men's team and the women's team at the same level. And then you got like an explosion of supporters at the women's games. So you got to have something like that where you can have a, people can understand that this is the same level as what we're really showing you on, on the men's side.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of good way you say that. I, I agree with when you, something you said earlier, Steve, in terms of if they are going to go for the quick fix of uh, NWSL teams, it has to be tied into an understanding that when there is an actual Canadian league, that those teams will then be a part of it. I, lo- I love that. I love that yeah. idea. Um, and yeah, I, I I do think that when we look at what's happening in women's football around the world, not all of it, but a significant amount of it is, as Steve has said, it's tied into football clubs that, um, that have men's teams that are investing in, in the women, in the women's game. Um, I I know at at Bayern, I know two of those Swedish players are Bayern Munich players. Um, And uh, they've continued to develop and grow their, their women's team and they care about it. And they, and they care when they make their quarterfinals and semifinals or whatever, the Champions League in Europe and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also agree with what you said earlier in terms of, I mean, these these players like Sinclair and, and this group of players need to help advocate to bring a league, a league about. But the viewing public needs to understand that not many of them will play in it. Because even when you look at the Canadian Premier League, if developing a men's league in Canada... I mean most of our national team players are not playing in that in that league exactly yeah, a long term it's a, exactly. a long- term yeah. play to develop players who will we will then later see represent the country in the national team and it's going to take a, a decade or a generation you know for that to, to really to really happen and develop and it's going to be this this it, I would imagine at least the same if not similar for the, for the women's game. So yeah I mean the, the, a CPL women's league is not going to be able to entice you know Buchanan to leave Leon, or you know no. But
1: then come, folks aren't going here. to go and watch that. That's the problem. Well, they, they Not need enough to bring people to make it financially viable.
3: Well, and it's essentially, uh, initially, they need to bring in a veterans like a, like a Sophie Schmidt. Even Christine Sinclair needs to. If they want a league, she needs to play on one of those Canadian teams. If they do end the
0: WSL. Like but they, she's, they need she's surely going to retire shortly, no? I oh, I know. So, but I mean, what yeah. I'm saying
3: is, like, what I'm saying is, though, like, those kind of veterans, like a Desiree Scott, needs to play like in, in those teams if they don't have, like, if they're not in Europe or whatever. But it's easy for us to say. It's
1: easy well, for us to spend people's money as owners and stuff as well. Yeah. I, like, like Today, I, I talked about the under-23 Whitecaps and Tigers game, and there was about six or 800 people at like that. So I was chatting to somebody just messaging them tonight, and they were like, Oh, was it free to get in? I was like, Yeah. And they said, Oh, they should have charged like about five bucks or ten bucks to get in, they'd have made a lot of money. I was like, Yeah. People would not have turned up or paid if it was if you had to pay that. They've turned up because it's free. And therein lies part of the problem. It's like, Oh, I wish we could watch more women's game or the CPL games or the national team games on T right. V. Why can't we? Well you you can get one soccer. I don't want to I don't want to pay right. that. Yeah. That's what it all, all boils down to. Just to round this off, because I, I I know we've got a long show here, but we we will talk a lot more about this. It's something I'm wanting to delve into a lot more, and we'll get some other folk on to chat about it. So, like, Navid, You you came through the college system at UBC. You were on a team with so many good players that the opportunities weren't there in the cpl we've talked about this before and there's a kind of generation that was kind of lost a lot of them went to vmsl some went overseas some didn't want to do that some just got into work and that was it your time at college obviously there was the women's team that was successful at ubc as well how many women how many young girls do you feel have been lost to the game of football just because those opportunities weren't there even when you were
2: around Oh, it's the same situation as with the guys. I mean, like I said about Jasmine Munder, Yeah, like she is one example. Like she, at that time, when the, if there would be a leak, I mean, she would be going on for better things for sure. So having something like that would be ideal for all. Younger girls, women's—I mean, seriously, it would be. I mean, ideal. the
1: college games, great. It's but great. So it's many great. Often yeah. but that's of them, yeah. After that, it, that's that, the highest that's level.
2: Yeah, that's it. Like I say, or e-
1: well, even the local leagues. You've got the MWSL, I think it's called. Right. There. Yeah. But that's you've not got the, a
2: high level. No, and uh, I mean that's what it is at the end of the day. I mean, it, literally, the highest girls can play is the university level, mm. which is that it's terrible. Absolutely that. terrible.
1: I mean, hopefully it'll change. Just to round this off, just a quick yes or no. We'll go round the table. We'll start with Zach. The next World Cup's in two years' time, down in Australia and New Zealand. Do you think there'll be a professional team in Canada by the time that World Cup starts in two years? Zach? Sadly, no. Steve?
2: I agree, unfortunately. David. No, unfortunately, yeah.
1: I, I think the same, which is terrible. Let's hope we're all wrong.
2: Yeah,
8: yeah, L- for let's
1: sure. He- let's hear your thoughts on it. So, like, you can get in touch on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can leave a comment on our AFTN.ca, the page that has this podcast. Or if you want to send a more detailed response, send us an email, AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think would work I- you can say, yeah, fans will come out and watch because look, they turned out to watch the women's team when they've played at BC Place. That's not on a regular weekly basis. If you think that is going to change, tell us why. Tell us why you think that is the case. Do you think there's enough people out there to put their hands in the pocket to attend games, but also to own clubs? Yeah. I'm really curious to hear what, what all your thoughts are on that.
3: There's one thing more. One thing I just you know, want to say, one more thing. Canada um, Soccer, I hundred percent guarantee you would love to have a teams in Canada oh, or yeah. a league that they they want this to happen uh, because it, it helps their their sport and helps uh, elevate their sport to another level if they have also a surely it's in their remit as well that they yeah they're meant to do that yeah so they want to do this it's not like like I I saw somebody putting out a petition which is great I understand that you want to do that stuff you're you're sending a petition to Canada soccer for something that they want to do like it's it, the, yeah. the, like that's something they want to do it's nothing they don't want to do and currently they're i believe they're still paying salaries um for uh, several players they were doing it before i don't know if they oh, still down do in it in NWSL yeah. yeah they, yeah, they, they cover they the cost fund, of some of the players. yeah they fund
1: yeah. Uh, national team players so or that'll some of the national team players. So if
3: they can get a league or a team together, they can start. They, they can. Yeah. They, that'll actually save them money by doing that as well. So it's something that's definitely beneficial for them to have this going happening. Yeah.
1: Well, that was a good chat. Really enjoyed that. It's been a enjoyable show. Hope you felt so as well listening at home. We're going to round it off though, as we always do with this week's wavelength. If you're a new listener, basically wavelength is a part of the show where we play a song all about football by a proper band, occasionally by footballers or or teams, but mostly by bands. We're going back to 2015 for this one. It's an English band that I've played many times on the show before. They're called Squeeze. I had tickets to go and see them last year, but of course that never happened. This is a song from their album Cradle to the Grave, which was the soundtrack to the BBC TV show of the same name, which is a biopic about the radio DJ Danny Baker a big fan of Danny's and a big football fan as well. This is their song Beautiful Game
8: We watched Since Pop, I dodged a few bad guys. Believe me, it was good to be alive. The tribal path led to the The days we had seemed so much bigger And everyone would point the finger So we would do the same To be mesmerized by the beautiful game
1: there from 2015. Beautiful game. Been a lot of beautiful football to watch in the last few weeks. Hope you've all enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed that song. Hope you've enjoyed this show. That is it. Just before we go, we'll let everyone know where you can find us online and any final thoughts. Let's kick things off with our guest, who might be a regular if we if we negotiate the contract. He's, <laughs> he's
2: asking for like TAM money, but I don't know that we can do that. Naveed, where can folk find you online? You can find me at Chi on Twitter. And speaking of trans- physical transformation regarding, um, what's his name again? Fashion uh, Eddie. Yes. You got, did you guys see Fonzie's transformation? Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> I, I meant to do one of those, how it started, how it is oh, now. Because exactly. I've got that
1: first photo of him in a white oh, caps jersey from, right. from the under 16, under 15 16, game that probably. he played out in Cloverdale. And it's like, yeah, holy uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> What a transformation. He's been work, and He looks a beast.
2: Yeah. Unreal.
0: Yeah. Zach? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M, and it's been a pleasure.
3: And Steve? You can find me on Twitter at Whitecapsbeat, and if you want to check out soccer in Colorado, check out Dick and Balls.
1: I'm Michael McCall, you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca, I've put a concerted effort into getting more written stuff up on the site, and there's a lot of that over the, the past week, and there's some more to come. Give us a like, and a subscribe, and turn on notifications on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada, maybe we'll have the next round of our quiz at some point soon, it's just been so busy, let's wait till the next lockdown, I'm sure it's just around the corner. Until next time, we will be back soon. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. That's the most important thing, whether it's from COVID, whether it's from the fires. And more the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, well, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.